Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have comedian and writer Max Kerwin. I first got to know Max when we worked together at the Nerdist showroom over at Meltdown Comics, and Max was one of the first people that kind of welcomed me into the Nerd Melt fold. Uh, it was so much fun always working with Max, and he's such a fun comic to see. Uh, we always love performing at open mics together, and Max has continued uh, to pursue stand-up and has been on some, a lot of great shows, and just released a new book called Poems to Ruin Dinner With. And I was so excited to talk with Max about this. It was fun just catching up. I haven't seen Max uh, basically since March when Meltdown closed. Uh, you know, he was he was the brains behind the final show at Meltdown. Uh, there was an intern show, so I had a small role in that. But Max and our friend Lauren were the kind of the brains behind it. And yeah, it was fun to sit down and catch up with Max, uh, learn a little bit about him. Um, you know, I knew that he had grown up in Washington. I knew that he had uh, ulcerative colitis. And, you know, he, he talked a lot about that and kind of, you know, how his stand-up has turned, you know, talking about some of the illnesses he's dealt with. And, yeah, it was just a really good time to be able to catch up with Max and just have a lot of fun joking around with him and, you know, just learning about more of his life and where, where the book came from. So I had no idea Max was writing a book. He just randomly posted about it one day on Facebook. And, yeah, just told everybody, oh, yeah, I have a book out now. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, to support one of my friends, I picked it up. It's absolutely hilarious and a book that I would encourage all of you to read. Uh, it, it's just six bucks on Amazon. So, you know, when you're out there shopping for Christmas presents and or a stocking stuff or anything of the sort, it's a perfect, fun little gift that you can pick up for yourself or even your friends and family. Just get on there. Just look it up. Poems to Ruin Dinner With by Max Kerwin. You'll absolutely love it. Now, this episode is a longer episode, so I'm just going to get right to it. It's rare that we have episodes uh, that go over an hour and a half, but sometimes we get just great guests on, and we just let it go where it goes. So this is this is another one of those longer episodes. Uh, we don't do these very often, but I think this is the third or fourth one in the last couple months. So yeah, it was, it was a really good time, to say the least. Uh, so with that, I will let you get to the episode. Thank you, Max Kerwin, for taking the time to come over and chat with me. It was a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. Should have taken the name tag off. <laughs> Were you actually out of Trader Joe's? Or is, that, is that new material? Because I have not heard you. That's uh, that's an that's my opener. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't heard you do stand up basically since oh. uh, since our meltdown days. Oh yeah, did you did you see me? Did you ever see me do like a set at like a real show or like an open mic? I think I saw because I think I saw you do the set. You kind of did a set at the final show. Oh yeah, yeah. I I did I did a uh, oh I was the I was the stage heckler and then I went yes. up and I did like a minute of of yelling at the audience. <laughs> most of, most of the time it was. The only sets I've I've done with you have been open mic sets where I would introduce you oh, with the yeah. wrong name. That was oh yeah, that was so much fun. <laughs> you weren't there when when Caroline and I co-hosted for like two minutes, were you? No, I was there. Oh yeah, when, when yeah. we went up and then she was like, "By the way, guys, Max is single," <laughs> yeah. and I was just like, uh, "Is this how you're supposed to host an open mic?" Well, the the first time I did, I was supposed to be working the open mic. Oh yeah, and uh, Jenny came in and was just like, "I needed to co-host as well." And I was like, oh, I'd never co-hosted a mic before. And I, but I was just yeah, like, yeah, neither did I. All right, cool. I'll uh, I'll, I'll do this. <laughs> right? And we, we, we wanted to as yeah, well. Yeah, we wanted like, to. Yeah. So the yeah, Dermot mic was famous. It was. It was. I, I miss it. For every every time when I, dri- <laughs> <laughs> when I drive down Sunset, I'm always just like, 
Oh, God. Yeah, have and you... I haven't been to a show at the Ruby, so it's... I intern there now. Do you? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I'm get on, I get on shows there, too, which is really nice. I should... I, I have thought about reaching out to one of the other like venues to be like, hey, can I come, can I come do something over there? And just like my brain just doesn't hasn't connected to that yet for some reason. Oh yeah, uh, a, a lot of the crowd went to Des- Dynasty Typewriter, yeah. which is like the cool place to be now. Yeah, which I I've gone to a couple shows there. I've gone to a few of the up and up shows. Oh, I haven't been to any. Oh, and I love Moses Storm, but I haven't yeah. been to any of the shows. The the up and up shows are incredible. Especially oh, really? since Conan shows up at least half of the time. Oh, yeah, that's nice. And does his just nonsensical stuff. With yeah, it. And yeah, Flula he... is usually there for <laughs> it. And Flula's just amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah they've they've been great shows. So, yeah, there's. Yeah, it seems like half of the stuff from Meltdown kind of drifted to Dynasty Typewriter. And, and yeah, I think I'm actually. I'm the only person who went to the Ruby, apart from Sammy. But I don't know if Sammy's even working at the Ruby anymore. So I'm the. Oh, yeah, with her show getting picked up by. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's all big and hotshot now. She's on Netflix. Oh, <laughs> God, she thinks she's better than us. I mean, she is better than us, but she yeah, also she's, thinks... Yeah, she's absolutely better than us. <laughs> she she has a whole Photoshop fan club that has proven that, that she definitely is superior. This is her Instagram, right? Yeah, and they're amazing. She had that picture <laughs> that it was just like her with like her hands out to the side. And people have Photoshopped her into all sorts of things, and it's amazing. Oh my god, that's fun. Yeah, I, I need to have Sammy on here. I genuinely miss her. I have not I have Yeah, she's a cool cat too. Yeah. Yeah, she she was probably it was you and Sammy were the first two when I started at Meltdown that I that I got to know. Oh, really? Yeah, cuz Sammy was the first one when I was just like I sh- I'd shown up to do open mic mm-hmm. and then I was also working that, that my first shift that night oh, and I didn't know who anybody was. Oh, yeah. And Caitlin wasn't even there yet, I don't think. Who was house and, managing? Uh, uh, Jenny was, but oh. I only met Jenny once, if I remember right. And so I was just kind of like, um, "Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm interning here now." And luckily, everybody was rad. And oh yeah, yeah, it was. I, I, I genuinely missed that. I know when when Jonathan was on here, it was like the first thirty minutes of it was just like, "Oh, meltdown." Oh yeah, <laughs> I still tell that story about how you how you kicked out uh, Andy Dick. <laughs> that's not even my story and i still tell it because <laughs> such a my, my claim to fame is uh mark Marin angrily asking me if anyone's in the green room and then he walked in on buddy holly like, undressing uh and then uh didn't mark a- also ask you if like he had a boil on his neck no Wasn't but i that, wish he had i thought that was you that that had happened to. i don't have i don't have any i have no barely any famous people stories apart from kicking out uh <laughs> russell brand stalkers who are very interesting oh, yes. people they're they so interesting, interesting which is what makes them terrifying yeah because one of them just like showed me her paintings and i was like these are amazing stay right where you are <laughs> <laughs> and i had to play bodyguard for him that that one night yeah. that was a uh, yeah when all of the stalkers were there it's to be expected i mean the guy attracts um anomalies yeah <laughs> What's yeah. the best way I can put this? As, as his new special came out, I was just like, I kind of want to go back through and watch this and see how it came out. Yeah. But I, I have a little bit of PTSD from all those shows. <laughs> <laughs> they were wonderful shows. Oh, but. yeah. Even though, uh, I mean, like, fr- from my point of view, even though even the shows that weren't great were still, like, I learned <laughs> just watching them. Yeah. Like, uh, this wasn't a bad show, but Comedy Sucks would, would go up and down in, in the quality of their mm-hmm. shows. But even their bad shows were so informative and they were so yeah. entertaining, too. Like, how everyone dealt with, um, like, four people in the audience and, like, nobody, everyone's bombing. And these are comics that do well <laughs> other places, but they're bombing here. And so I'm like, okay, how are they going to react to themselves right. bombing? And some of them just implode, and that's funny. Yeah. But some of them, like, r- run with it. And I love the comics who run with the bomb. They're, that's the most fun I've ever seen. Yeah, I've... I mean, even though I don't do as much stand-up anymore as I 
would like to do. I have always, and I've said it on here a million times, I l- kind of love bombing. Because yeah. I, when when I'm watching something fall flat and I can see like that first five <laughs> rows, it is so hilarious to me because they're kind of, you can see the thought process going through their head of like, oh, this isn't going well. And in my head, I'm like, oh, they're fucking hating this. <laughs> I just kind of like to, I just like to keep it going and see which one of us is going to cave first. <laughs> but how do you feel when you're bombing on stage versus watching somebody else bomb? I don't mind it. I take it as a learning thing for me because I record every th- every set. Oh, yeah, that's smart. And so I always go back and I'm just like, why did that bit fall? And I'll recognize, oh, you you just steamrolled over like your yeah. entire punchline. Yeah, you yeah, that's the rule. Yeah, you get scared of your own punchline because yeah. you're worried no one's gonna laugh at it. So you yeah, I did that like someday. <laughs> <laughs> there was one bit that that you had done that I remember you you were nervous about doing it because it. Toad. Oh, was it the N-word bit? Yes. I'm glad I said that. We're recording, right? Yeah, we're, 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 we're uh, recording. Okay, great. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you would okay, ever actually I, say I, it. No, 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 no. This this bit is literally just a spelling joke, okay? Yeah. The, the, the punchline of the bit, I just want to make sure I... Uh, <laughs> all my, my, Clarify. My, all my black fan... Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I. It's just a yeah. Gin, the word ginger. I have red hair, and the word ginger and and the N word ha, have the same letters, and so that's what the punchline is yeah. basically. So I'm not a racist. I swear to God, I'm fine. <laughs> I am a straight white male, so take what you will. But I swear to God, I'm one of the okay ones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I remember we were going through some bits that we were like we were sitting back at the snack bar, and I was like, I have this bit, but I don't know yeah. if people will take it wrong. <laughs> Because like it could be a joke that people would be like, "That's racist," even though oh, it God. wasn't. <laughs> and we were going back and forth, and we we're just like, are th- "Would people think these are racist?" Oh <laughs> God! And I remember you telling me that, and I was like, "You have to do that." And you did it the next week, and I remember you oh, got God. the punchline, and I just watched as you kind of sat back on the stool and just like tensed up but i just started uh, <laughs> laughing so hard because i was like max doesn't want to do, do no, this no i don't and i it's not, it's an okay bit but it's uh i don't do any race stuff any politics i do none of that in the rest of my stuff so it felt off character yeah it was just a fun this is a fun thing to point out though yeah yeah it's, it's a it's a fun bit i'm glad we started out talking about this <laughs> oh god i seriously uh, tim can tim can testify i feel bad just talking about it yeah your, your face is redder than usual <laughs> yeah it's it, it it always is one of those just like weird areas that i think a lot of comics now have to kind of like sit down with each other and be like can i tell this joke still yeah. if i want to host the oscars in like six years Ooh, like- <laughs> funny story i actually read through a, a, a of all things a reddit comment today that made that made it made that clarified everything why kevin hart should not be hosting the oscars at all is because he'd been homophobic for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and he had been, like, really terribly homophobic off Twitter as well. These aren't just tweets and stuff. He's, like, done jokes about it and stuff. Yeah, he, yeah, he had he had it in his special, I think. And he's refused to apologize, and then he ba- he backtracks, like, left yeah. back and forth on it. So now it's like, there's no debate. Uh, you know, everyone's comparing to, like, Roseanne and stuff, stuff like that. I'm like, okay, this, this time, guys, we shouldn't be talking about this. It, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely, when I read those, I was just like, yeah, that's not really a joke. That's yeah. a... It's, yep. That's just homophobia right there. Yeah. But then, but then I saw. Did you see Nick Cannon's thing? Yeah. The, where he started sh- sharing like Sarah's and Amy's, and I was like, Yeah, those are very clearly jokes, mm-hmm. and they're allies. Like there is a difference, but I got the sediment that he was making. Where yeah. it was just like one, 
well, one, you know, you can't have one and, you know, mm-hmm. throw out the other. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a, the PC culture of everything really has... It, it yeah, makes you let's question continue to talk you, about it. Two white when, guys in a room. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, PC culture. Yeah, it's got so fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I wouldn't say it's... I would say it's all very needed, but it makes you have to sit back and, like, think, like, okay, I wrote this maybe not open to something like not realizing yeah you know how i i I think as two white guys talking about it it's something (laughs) that i can definitely say really has kind of made me a better writer even when it comes to satire because i have to think of i'm glad this is good for your writing career tim (laughs) i'm glad this is good for your writing because people's lives are being hurt and your but your writing's getting better so that's people suffering helps me it's a <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's I think as a whole, PC culture is good, um, yeah. because it comes from a real place, and obviously you can't inauthenticize stuff like that. I do think there is a there is a minority of people that are using it terribly. Like oh yeah, the alt right taking down James Gunn with um by resurfacing all those tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like th- things, it, it's where that weird gray line kind of comes in, where it's just like, what are jokes and what are just right. You know, straight up offensive and wrong, and yeah. we shouldn't do that. It separates the bad joke writers from the good joke yeah. writers. That's for sure. I I had uh, done when David Keckner came on the podcast like a year, two years ago. Oh man, look how uh, low was... you've sunken. <laughs> you had it, look where you are. You have a, you went from there to a fucking poet. <laughs> what? I I I go I go with all you know levels of the barrel. It's <laughs> <laughs> and which level am I? Point to a level on the on the diagram. We've got a hidden bottom of this barrel. <laughs> <laughs> There's a trap door. But he had I, I was pitching some jokes. We were in the green room in between shows, and I was pitching jokes. And I remember telling one to him, and I can't even remember the full joke now. But some of it had to do with companies that have really bad names mm-hmm. and how for the longest time i thought bye bye baby was an abortion clinic oh god <laughs> and, yeah and I, I kept going down and he was laughing at him and like he was eating a salad and he stopped and he's like but here's the difference you can't tell those on stage because yeah. at least half of that audience is going to turn on you yeah and it was kind of like a clicking moment where it was like no he's right it's one of those you can have that funny thought and be like yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And you don't tweet it. <laughs> you don't. You go on a podcast and you say it. <laughs> <laughs> you ha- Yeah, you think it, and then you let Jessenick do it. Yeah, exactly. Because he can get away with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's the only person. <laughs> and we that's okay. We should leave it at that. Yeah. Well, and we, if something's also truly terrible, we shouldn't be thinking about, can I get away with this? You know, we yeah. should first be thinking about, okay. Is should this, I say this at all? <laughs> does, this, does this make the fun out of it without making it terrible? Yeah. Like... Uh, I was at a mic on Sunday, and one of the comics—it was an all-comic crowd—and so one of the comics told a 9/11 joke, and it was hilarious. I won't repeat it, but it was hilarious, <laughs> and I know he's never going to tell it again, and he never should <laughs> because <laughs> it was that—it was one time, and it's—but that one time it was funny, yeah, you know, and that's its lifespan. That—that's I think my favorite thing about hanging around, just with other comics, sitting in the green room or sitting at a mic or something like that. I mean, most mics are pretty terrible, yeah, but. It's always fun to hear that hear that one joke or just be able to kind of goof around with their comics and be like, yeah, we we can't say that. I get the funny nuance to it. That should never be said again. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's good too because even though it'll make comic um, audiences laugh, the second they they go in any kind of real show, they'll get the honest feedback. Yeah, you know, because 
I guess you're supposed to be practicing for shows when you're doing mics. You know, you're supposed to be doing stuff like that, and it's fun to like play to the audience you're playing to. Yeah. But if you're if if you're like just all shooting for the comics with your jokes, and you go to a real show and you, all your jokes are for comics and they're terrible, the real audience is going to give you some honest feedback. It, it's what I've always heard is the issue with SNL is where so many people are like, oh, it's not funny, which I still think it's absolutely hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. But a lot of people point out that it's writers writing for writers. Sometimes. And I totally get that. And like we had just shot uh, a sketch about a, about a month and a half ago that was called Robot Uber. And it was uh, kind of a play on the new like idea of like autonomous cars and mm-hmm. having a robot driver. And it was funny as shit on paper. And we were just like, oh, this is going to be great. We shot it, edited everything. And we were like, that's not funny. Like, <laughs> none of the beats yeah. were there. And we were just like, yeah, we can't, we can't release this. It just does not, it, it's not going to play to an audience. It was a writer writing to another writer. And yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, it can be rough. <laughs> oh yeah. But I mean that, I just have more respect for the comics who can, who write jokes for both. Like Mulaney yeah. has all these jokes that are hilarious to comedians and to like, you know, audiences who don't pres- like consume comedy a lot. And those are just like, how do I get there? What do I do to get have there? Have you got to watch him perform live before? No. Have you? Yes. Uh, it is it's it, it's almost breaks your brain there's two comics that break my brain every time i have seen them perform and it's john mulaney and jimmy pardo jimmy P- jimmy pardo you you have to have seen pardo perform at this point uh i haven't seen him live i've seen like his podcast live you could go and watch him in on a, in like an entire weekend if he was if he was doing like you know the typical friday saturday two shows each night you will never see the same show that's, to, oh yeah, yeah. Because half of his set is improvised. Oh yeah, that's like Rory Scovel. Yeah, it, it's very similar to how I Rory's love that. Is. Yeah, I love that. I have never seen anybody faster than Pardo though, and just so sharp. And it would just, I, I would just sit there in awe of how he did not waste a breath. And Mulaney is so well written that he does yeah. not waste a word. He talks about how he he does a lot of his writing beforehand. Yeah, he doesn't like going up there with just nothing, but he'll. I mean. He knows how to improvise, so yeah, he he, he yeah. can improvise when he needs to. But it's like even when I'll go back and watch his special, and I'm just like, I saw him do that bit in a club, and that's where it's at. How did that? Like mm-hmm. it's insane. And I, that was part of why I started w- when I was doing more stand up. I would record, and I'd go back through, and I think it was Jonah Ray. I'd heard say he would go through and he would write down his set, like he would just basically transcribe oh, his word set. For word, yeah, because then he would hear the beats that he was screwing up on. And I started doing that, and another comic had told me that he would go through and chop out words that way. Where he'd be like, I didn't need to say that. I didn't need to say that. Yeah, the word economy. And yeah, and that yeah. was how Mulaney gets his so tight, I guess, is he's just like, oh, I don't need that word, and every single word matters. And I was just like, I hate how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the writing th- the whole set down thing is a tip I give. Not that I'm like a veteran, but a tip I give to r- like real beginners is like, write everything down and then underline all the parts where people laugh. Yeah, and if there's like three, and it and sometimes you'll realize like, okay, that idea is funny, but that's not a joke, and that's right. That's that's, that's something you have to learn by yourself. But that's a, once you've learned that, it it makes everything so much easier. Yeah, I th- I think one of my issues too that I ran into was when it comes to like my satire writing, everything is pretty much political. Like <laughs> I do a lot of political satire. Oh yeah, and I'd get on stage Hating and I markets. don't think you ever heard me do anything political. It was no. usually. Well, about I mean, my your hiking weight. bit was pretty <laughs> political, okay? In Los Angeles, you went for, like, the heart of the city. 
<laughs> that <laughs> bit bombed so bad. <laughs> but I like it because it's it's fun and it's true. And it's so regional yeah, that it, it would never work anywhere. What's funny is I tried it in Salt Lake and thinking that it would work there. And it bombed so bad there, too, oh. because it's also very big hiking. And I was like, L.A. will enjoy this. And then it bombed so bad yeah, here. And I, I was don't like, know. Yeah. nope, that bit's... Uh, <laughs> I bet we'll never be seen again. <laughs> I, also, I also don't think LA has a biggest sense of humor about itself either. Like New York City, you can you get has a sense of humor about yeah. itself, but Los Angeles, you know, you come in and you start talking about traffic, and people are gonna be like, "Get the fuck out of here! What right. are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. I, I had done a bit in New York the last time I was there about how the fall the previous time I was there, I had flown back in. I was leaving the next morning, and as I walked out to my car, something just smelled familiar, and I was just like, "It's." Like, I'm really missing New York right now. What is it? And I couldn't put my finger on it. It smelled like New York. And I realized I had parked next to the dumpster, and it had rained the previous night. Ooh. And it was the smell of wet garbage. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's it. Oh. That's New York City. <laughs> and people in New York loved it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm glad that you have a sense of humor, the fact that you smell like wet garbage. Yeah. So Hollywood smells like hot garbage. I mean, That's it's- crazy. That's the name of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like wet garbage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's about uh, it's about my towels. <laughs> but if I if I can brag for a second, go for it. I was at an open mic, and afterwards, a comic asked me if I was from New York, and I said, "Nope." That's all she asked. But I was so flattered. I was so humble because I that yeah. meant that meant I had told no LA jokes. I had been <laughs> I had been completely original. <laughs> that that is a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. To, to not have them realize that, yeah, I'm an L.A. comic. You said nothing about gluten. or No, no. I mean, most <laughs> of the set was about Crohn's disease, so take that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I heard you do a bit about, about Crohn's disease, and I was just like, this is a new take. And it, what, Do you remember what it was? I can't remember. I think it was about a surgery that you had had. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a lot of my – most of my set is about Crohn's and my, my surgery. Yeah, so. I, I remember. It was only like a minute or so. <laughs> on the surgery and i remember laughing really hard and i was just like i've never heard anybody go oh, with yeah. a vulnerable piece like this and uh oh you should see <laughs> i did i did jenny jenny chilikian let's name drop here jenny chilikian big name in this scene yes <laughs> jenny i love you if you okay anyway <laughs> jenny should listen to this because i've been trying to get her on for the last few months she's great i feel like you should have you should have a german special because she could talk about germany for an hour and she can make it hilarious <laughs> a lot of her materials about germany and it's great it's really fun. There needs to just be a Jenny and Flula comedy hour. Oh my god, that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Who's more German? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jenny's wearing a cool hat though. Ooh. Anyway, uh, I was on, so I was, I did their show, and one of my bits is I uh, show my incision scar, and that's a pretty vulnerable place to yeah. go for a crowd, but they enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not. It's the, the thing is, it's not very noticeable, so I have to play around with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's it's fun. It's also really fun for me showing it. And then I make a and I and then I do a classic LA joke. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I told myself it wasn't gonna get work done on my body, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. I, I, I think that is a good LA joke. Yeah. So I, it's fun for me. Th- that that one though works anywhere. Yeah, I'm like Tig Notaro Light. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, Max will show you his scars. Yep, and it's it's a non-invasive, perfectly fine <laughs> scar. And I should stop comparing myself to comedy icons. <laughs> I I met Tignataro at Sundance, 
two years ago. And I have never been more intimidated by another comic. Yeah, she's intimidating. She is, and she's so small. She, and she's so stone cold, like confident too. Yeah, she is. I was so scared, and like <laughs> I don't get really starstruck or nervous. And it was one of those times where she's like, I, "I'm a huge fan," and I was like quivering. And it was shortly after she'd done the bit on Conan, where she just pushed the stool. Oh if yeah, if you've never seen that stool bit, movement, yeah, yeah, it is one of the it's funniest. So funny, and. I, I I think that was all I really said to her. It was just like I'm, I'm a huge fan, you know. That bit you did on Conan is one of the most brilliant pieces I've ever seen on Late Night, Oof. and she just, yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> oh like, yeah, just yeah, very. I mean, that's just who she is. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, she's and very cool. It did not help with how nervous I was. No, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. I honestly, probably better not to compliment her at all. Just be like, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. But she's, I, like, she's, she's like, yeah, I, I've seen you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> she's, I think, the only comic I've I've paid to see more than once live. Once in my college, and then another time in my college, and she's so great. Yeah, <laughs> I love her. Yeah, she, she. If if people have not seen her, I mean, she's got a couple of specials on Netflix, I believe. But yeah, she has a documentary they, too. Yes, and that, that's what she, uh, I believe, was at Sundance for was was the TIG documentary. Oh, and yeah, she's just brilliant. And One Mississippi, if people have not watched that, I oh, haven't. Brilliant <laughs> show, absolutely brilliant show. Oh, didn't it get canceled? It did get canceled. Oh no, but. It still lives on through digital. Yeah, <laughs> this just becomes the Tignataro uh, advertising hour. <laughs> <laughs> While we're talking about Amazon specials, actually, Patriot. Okay, <laughs> it's a good show, but nobody watches it. <laughs> I don't watch any of the Amazon shows because I forget that I have it. Like I want to watch the Marvelous Miss Maisel, but I forget that I have it. Oh yeah, it's also like you go into it because you know it's about stand up, and you're like, am I going to be critical about this one or should I watch it? Yeah, honestly. Same with Pete Holmes' show. It's like, should I be critical or should I watch it like it's a TV show? Luckily, I can just switch my brain. Between I had to learn how to do that during film school because when you're in film school, you get that like pretentious snootiness. Of, I know everything about film. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down in uh, the Avengers Age of Ultron. And in the first like five minutes, I was like, fuck this movie. What is happening? And all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, you have to turn your brain off. This is a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as I love them, I also recognize most of them are not going to live up to some cinematic masterpiece. Yeah. And so I had to immediately shut my brain off, and then I was just like, okay. Yeah. I, I can enjoy this for what it is, and I just had to teach myself how to do that with each thing. Otherwise, I'll just obsess over it. Yeah, this is going to sound so pretentious, but like you should always try to shut your brain off until the mistakes in the movie pull you out of the movie. Yeah. You know? Like, don't go looking for them. Like, if you go looking for them in Pirates of the Caribbean, you're going to be there a long time. <laughs> but if you sit there and, and you let the mistakes come to you, yeah. You'll like that's a more honest reaction to the movie. It's like, wow, this is not doing it for me. Yeah, that's that that's a I don't I wouldn't even say that's a pretentious way of, of saying it. I think that's a that's an honest good way to watch a movie. I mean, that when I was at a, at AFI Fest a few weeks ago, there were, I mean, a lot of big premieres were happening uh, for that. And there were some that films that I would still say are great films, but they had those moments where I was just kind of letting myself coast into it. Yeah. And I would catch some type of error where I was just like, whoa, why would you, why would you do That's that? That's the worst. When films are like 95% there and they miss, and they miss a moment. Yeah. Like, and it's like, oh no. I'll, I'll give this because the movie hasn't even come out yet. Uh, it's a great movie, Battle of the Sexes. It's about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh yeah, so it comes Is out on Steve Christmas. Carell and Emma Stone. No, that's uh, Battle. Or did I say Battle of the Sexes? Yes. I meant on the basis of sex. 
Oh, that's the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On, that's yeah, yeah, on the basis okay. of sex. Battle okay. of the sexes, yes. That so is I was Thoreau. right. You so were I right. So I was right. Okay, yes. great. Yes, you were right. So I was right, Tim. You you were very correct. Great. Thanks for having <laughs> me on, buddy. <laughs> that's all I wanted. I just wanted you to say I was right. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> but so, yeah, go for it. Uh, on the basis of sex, the uh-huh. Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie, uh, Army Hammer, and uh, uh, Felicity Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a moment, and, and and this isn't a spoiler. I mean, it's the story, and this is. 20 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg's husband uh, had testicular cancer. And in the movie, they're mentioning, oh, yeah, you know, there's only a 5% survival rate. Because back in that time, yeah, there was only 5% survival rate. Yeah. And, you know, they have this kind of tender moment where they're just like, okay, well, we'll, we'll get through this. And the next scene suddenly cuts to like five years later. It's like, wait, what the fuck just said? You can't go from 5% <laughs> survival rate to. Cool, he's better. Like, no, give us a little bit of context. So, yeah. And they never really even address it again. Spoilers. And I was just like, what? but I mean, the rest of the movie is, is fantastic, but there are parts throughout it where it would just jump, and it was just like, whoa, yeah. like, no, you've got to give me some context here of what just, what just happened. You leave it too open. and yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's so hard, too, I guess. I mean, I've never been in this position, but when you're making a movie, it's so hard to know, like, if you're looking at your script a thousand times or filming that, mm-hmm. you know, breaking it down, all these little pieces to know. You need someone to tell you that that, that moment needs to be, like, yeah. savored, you know? Because it's so hard for directors to know. I'm assuming. I, don't, I have no well, idea. I mean, you, <laughs> you mentioned you were working on a short film. Yes. So, I mean, it, are are you directing it, then? No, I'm acting in you're, it. So you're acting? Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an actor though, so you know, judge what you will of my performance. <laughs> <laughs> it no, it's something that was a coming from like a director perspective where I had to quickly learn to give up the reins, because any one one director I'll point to who, once I say this, his movies will slightly be ruined for people. He still is a great director and makes phenomenal films, mm-hmm. but Ron Howard needs <gasps> to learn how to say no. On his fucking movies. He needs to learn how to edit. Oh. And when, like, when he took over Solo, I was very nervous because I was just like, there's going to be like an extra 30 minutes of a movie that I don't need. And I think Disney was like, yeah, we're going to. We're gonna hold back on this. You don't get to touch the edit. Wasn't solo already like a sinking ship, and then he was the one with like the bucket, like pouring, wa- taking water out of it. Like, come on, we gotta. I don't think it was a sinking <laughs> ship. There were creative differences with the original directors, mm-hmm. but they still, from what I understand, used most of what they had kind of set up. So he just kind of came in and freshened it up. Okay, that's but, a great PR statement. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I work for Disney. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> but like you, you watch movies like Rush, the race, the Formula One oh, movie, yeah, the Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. It was a great movie, but it was a good forty minutes too long, and so like I think that movie would have gotten a few Oscar nominations had it not just continued uh, on where people on. are just like all right how yeah. much longer is this movie yeah <laughs> peter jackson <laughs> yeah. P- yeah peter jackson's another word they're very close and they have a lot of say over their edit oh, yeah that's like the exact opposite he he savors everything oh yeah it's like you know this one book we can make three movies out of it oh no <laughs> flashbacks trauma <laughs> god how will we do that every word will be a scene god you know i I could tell I was not going to enjoy that movie the first five minutes just because of how it looked. Like they, they yeah, they abandoned the miniatures and they went straight to CGI mm-hmm. and like and like colorful fluff. 
And yeah. I was like, no, this isn't Lord of the Rings. Yeah, as as soon as I see any movie that I, I, I look at it and I just see CGI left and right, I'm just like, nope. Star Wars. I mean, I'm not. I'm ne- I never fully sold on the universe, even though I enjoy the new movies because I can tell it's not the original. You know? Yeah, it's it's as much as I enjoy the the new ones. It's the same way for me. Yeah. So I think Rogue One was the only one that I could really kind of sink my teeth mm-hmm. because Gareth Edwards wanted it to have so much of that. Yeah. Original feel and the practical the, effects and <laughs> up until the whole uh, uh, face remaster. Yes. <laughs> up until that one moment where he ruined everything. It was yeah. so good. It was. It's it's very and I I actually sat through a WonderCon panel with the guy that did the face matching, and, and it was amazing to hear the science behind how they did that. Did he did he voice his opinion on the final product? Was he like happy with his work? I can't remember if he did actually. I don't know why I'm digging for drama. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I want to fight. <laughs> it actually, it makes it worse now knowing that a guy did it. You know, like I'd rather just be like, oh, somebody screwed up, and I will never go to know who it is. But now you're like, I, I met the guy. I'm like, okay, well now I can't feel bad about the end. I, I didn't meet him, so I just sat sat through a panel of him, and but it was fascinating still to just like hear the science behind it, and then I could respect it. I was like, all right, it, it wasn't. It was a little off, but. I respect it. You you kind of did the impossible. Yeah. You reinvented parts of of how that's done. And then let the, it fly. Was that before or after Vader goes through and murders a bunch of rebels? The the, the shot of the princess. It's the very end, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay. the, yeah, that's the very last scene. Okay, yeah, because like if I don't know, this doesn't make any sense. But if they had shown that and then Vader had gone through, we would have immediately forgotten the CGI phase. Yeah. We'd been like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. Ugh. Which even even then, I see the Carrie Fisher CGI face didn't bother me as much. Because it was that holy shit moment still where they hand off the plans. It was just like, oh, oh God, it's so cool. And, yeah, and it wasn't until like the second or third time I'd watched it where I was just like, oh, yeah, it is kind of wonky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had, had we watched it with Beowulf, though, he would have immediately been oh, like, God. what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Be- yeah, Beowulf and I always message each other about the Marvel, any Marvel property, about how our opinions on it. Yeah. Yeah, and we all send each other jokes about it too. He Beowulf would always uh, come up to me and be like, "Are you caught up on Agents of Shield?" And I was. Do you watch like, as well? I'm so far behind at this point. Okay. Like I, I've made it about halfway through last season, and just got too busy. And so, like, <laughs> I have them all sitting, yeah. in my Hulu, like to finish. When you get around it, I don't know if you're on um, the AI season yet, but it is an amazing season of television. <laughs> I think I I think I'm halfway through that one. It is truly God. I I didn't know anybody watched it honestly apart from me. I thought I was the only viewer, <laughs> and I met Beowulf, and I was like, "There's more than one of us." Yes. God, it's so good. But I I learned a lot about Beowulf when he was on here. Oh yeah, did he get? Yeah. I only learned th- him through his uh learn about him through his uh, storytelling shows. See, and, and again, I don't go to enough shows. So <laughs> I, I I've made a bad habit of going to all his shows. Now he expects me to come to all of his shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he. There were a lot of things I'd learned about Beowulf that during our time of working with him at Meltdown, I carried podiums for him and did, did yeah. and I went and got him burritos. And oh yeah, <laughs> should we explain who he is? Do people, your listeners, know who he is? Well, there's an entire episode they can just go and listen to. It's like almost two oh, hours. It's long. almost like I set this up for you to plug yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was a long episode because Beowulf just has so many stories, and I was just like, "Yeah, I didn't know oh. he was like a Wall Street, yeah, Wall Street broker, or whatever." Yeah, yeah, he'd worked on Wall Street <laughs> and all this stuff, and I was just I like, wonder- <laughs> oh, "Yeah, it, it, yeah, he." It was incredible to hear his his backstory. There's some of those guys though that, like uh, Keith Stubbs, who actually owns Wise Guys Comedy in Utah. He was a touring comic for years, worked with everybody out there. 
and is probably one of the most respected club owners in the country. And yeah, he was a Wall Street guy as well. He just yeah. got he got tired of it and was just like, Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I went into comedy and I was yeah. just like that's take some yeah. balls to was, be like. Wasn't like Ricky Gervais too, like English dick, <laughs> like uh, nonprofit, <laughs> nonprofit like uh, manager, something like that. I don't know. I've never gotten into much of Ricky's history, I think but I, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he started late too. That's how I think I'm, that's how I know that. Yeah, I, I and see, I should know that more than because I like to follow the guys that started later, because yeah. I, because I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, I, I have to look back all the time, and I'm just like, oh, I started so late. I'm an old man now, oh, even wow. though I'm in my early 30s. But yeah, and that's er, that's yeah. fine. Hollywood makes you feel like that's a. Uh, oh, I feel like I started late, and I started at 21. <laughs> and see that to me, that's like the perfect time to start trying to figure it out. Yeah, but you always hear about how Chris Rock was 17 when he and then he was killed. Oh yeah, and Seth Rogen was like 14 or 15 yeah. or yeah, yeah. It's like fuck Jason that. Bateman was six years old. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> Hassan Minaj and I are the same age. And wow, yeah. <laughs> and I, every every time I watch the Patriot Act or like when I was watching the Daily Show, and I was just be like, Hassan and I are the same age. Yeah. I do a podcast and write snarky remarks on the internet. <laughs> I mean, in the back of my mind, I'm still like, I can be one of those 28 wonderkins still. I Technically, I have a little bit of time left. <laughs> I can just kill it by 28. <laughs> like Brent Moran's one of those where it's just like you hear, like I think he just barely turned 30 or something like that. And you watch him do stand-up, and it's just like, how do you do? It's Oh, yeah. It's insane, like the wealth of just knowledge and stuff that he has at like such a young age and just so polished. Like he 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 will break your mind. Go over to the comedy store and watch him if you would not see <laughs> Yeah, I should really go to the comedy store. Yeah. Do you go to shows over there very much? I don't. I have never been there yet. Really? <laughs> I haven't How been. How long have you been in LA now? Uh over two years. And you still have not been to the comedy nope. store. I've drove by it. <laughs> I've smelled it from afar. <laughs> That's easy to do. That's yeah, <laughs> I know I should go. I I don't know. There's a reputation there that I uh, am interesting. I should really see it for myself because all I've done is listen about it. So yeah. I should really go. It's it's definitely an interesting place. I would definitely suggest doing the open mic there. You the can kill, get in on the kill potluck. Tony. Okay, okay. Yeah, not not the kill Tony. So, but uh, <laughs> but potluck. Yeah, don't do the kill Tony. Yeah, the kill Tony. It's. I love the premise of it. I would never do it. I don't need to go get broken down on how terrible no, no, it was. No, it, no, I believe you. Like <laughs> it's for first timers who want a shot at the big leagues. Yeah, but it's a trap. Yeah, it's absolutely a trap. I mean, there are those few amazing <laughs> moments where they're like the person is funny and honest, and they're also funny and honest. But yeah, if you're not great, they're just gonna tear you into little pieces. Yeah, I've had a few friends that that did do it, and luckily they did well, and they still got that little bit of breaking down, but. Yeah. They lucked out, and they were very polished and had great sets. But mm. no, just the potluck. It's a soul crushing open mic, but it is an interesting because you do get since it's the comedy store, you get people in there that you know they're from all over the place, and you ha- actually have a crowd. Whereas, like at Meltdown, we were oh, like, yeah. we were like, hey, come come to the back of a comic book store. Sometimes and, people would come though, and they would watch the open yeah, mic. Yeah, they, they would. I think uh, Jonathan and I watching. mentioned it when um, it was the uh, the Felice Navi Pod benefit show last year. I remember that. I remember and, that. And uh, during open mic, uh, Mandy Moore, uh, Minka Kelly, and Chris Sullivan, and what? Mandy Moore's husband, uh, that's the lead singer of Dawes, all of them came in and sat down in the back of the room for a moment because they were way early for the show. And I was just like, oh, these guys are like 
some of the biggest names in the business and they're sitting through an open mic. Yeah. And they left pretty quickly. Yeah. But I, I remember just sitting there for the, just that brief moment of just like, those guys are really going to come and sit in an open mic? <laughs> you got, and you got one. Sh- if, I mean, if I saw them sit down and I recognize them, I'd have one shot, one joke, yeah. one opportunity. <laughs> this is everything you ever wanted. Mandy Moore, <laughs> going to hook you up. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely a strange moment to see them walk in. But no, the comedy store, the other thing that th- about it is it's weird because that room is square or more of a rectangle. And the light is on the side. Yoy. And so you're trying to play out to the room, but keep an eye on that. And I think they've changed it since I got on it. But I remember the one time I got on, it was so weird to have to be like watching for the light on the side of the room while you're trying to. And then kind of in that corner is most of the comic sitting. So there's this dead area Mm, where nobody wants to laugh. But then straight ahead, you've got the people that are like, do we really want to be at this free show? <laughs> like, we, we're from, you know, Australia yeah. and, you oh, know, Europe yeah. and, like, all these people from literally all over the world. They're right. just like, yeah, it's why like is the, this person the, the not Swed- funny? The Swedish family <laughs> yeah. is like, this is the famous, most famous place in America. Yeah, and then half the people <laughs> are trying to order chicken wings or beer. and <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's one that you have to do at least once just uh. to be able to say you did it, <laughs> and then be so grateful for the alternative rooms uh, that we it's that like we thrive on. A colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it just once, just to get it done. Everyone has to. Get them, I've had nine, so get on my level. <laughs> See, I mean, I I know you don't have to get one until you're, f- what is it, forty? Yes. And I'm already not looking forward to that, but then I hear you tell your stories, and I'm just like, I, I oh, I've had the most I fun. pain for Max. <laughs> I've had the most fun after the colonoscopy. The prep is the worst part. Um, because you, you have to drink like some weird, like yeah, drink. You have to take some laxative. Just different for every every everybody does it differently. But Cedar Sinai, best hospital in Los Angeles. I get the best care. Cedar Sinai, uh, they give you uh, Docalax tablets. And then you take Miralax, which is a whole bucket of, of like osmosis laxative. So you put it with, in with the drink. So you take the pills, you put the drink, uh, the, the powder in the drink, and you have to drink uh, like an eight ounce glass every 30 minutes for three hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then in the first two glasses are like easy. Like 30 minutes, drink eight ounce glass of water, easy. By like the second hour, you're like, I can't drink this thing in, ha- in 30 minutes. I can't. Because <laughs> it's like thick and it's terrible. And you're supposed to mix it with Gatorade too. Because yeah, they, they yeah, so you're supposed to mix it with Gatorade, but not red or blue, because it looks like blood when it goes through. So you have to drink. Oh, yeah. So you get the yellow Gatorade, the worst flavor of the Gatorades. Ooh. Yeah, and then that makes you poop pool water for. Uh, I'm glad we're getting into this. It makes you poop pool water, <laughs> uh, pretty much up until the next morning. But you're supposed to you're not supposed to eat any food basically one to two days beforehand. Yeah, because they just want you cleaned out. Yeah, they the- want to have nothing in there so they can look with a scope. Yeah, yeah, and then. So by the by the morning colonoscopy, you haven't eaten for two days, and you've just pooped for the last four hours, and like, yeah. But then right beforehand, they give you this sleeping gas, and that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then you wake up, and I have had the most fun waking up from anesthesia because I just do the funniest. The one I I found out I was in remission. Thank you so much. I found out I was in remission this March, and I I found out from a colonoscopy. Yeah. And I woke up, and I was so happy that I was supposed to be peeing in like a cup, and instead I just peed the bed. <laughs> I just peed straight into the bed, <laughs> and I didn't even notice until someone told me. Someone tapped me on the shoulder, like, you're, uh, "Sir, you're peeing. You're peeing in the bed." And I was like, "Whoop, whoop, whoop!" Went a little super soaker there. Whoops, my bad. 
Uh, but it was so much fun. <laughs> so, so it was only in March that you, that you found out that you were in remission. Yes, I don't think I, I don't think I knew that. Uh, yeah, it's post Nerd Belt. I think late March, post okay. or mid of February. I don't know. Yeah, because Nerd Nerd Melt ended the literally the last day of March. Oh yeah, I think I might have had it late February, so I might not have just been telling people about it. Yeah, might have been. Key- I don't know. I don't. It wasn't a Facebook announcement. It wasn't one of those. You know. Oh, I wanted to hit a like. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been good for my career. <laughs> Did I mention my illness yet? Did they know that I have an illness? Is it my intermission for being an asshole? What is the? <laughs> No, but 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 you you can you can mention that here because I'm not going to go into the intro to this to be like so so Max has an issue. <laughs> so halfway through, you're going to hear him talk about remission. Okay, he's got something weird. <laughs> uh, now I have Crohn's disease, and it's a majority of my material now, which is really cool. I'm getting good feedback from it, but yeah, I've had it since I was eight or so, and I've been in and out of remission. You know, remission is it's it's not the same as cancer. It's not mortal or fatal. Uh, but you can go in on a remission. And so mm-hmm. right now I am in remission, and that's good because I had a little bit of my intestine removal, my testy-testy, like half an inch. Yeah, it's so hard. That's the it's, part I remember you talking yeah, about. Yeah, hard, it's hard making this funny, so I have to preface it with funny voices and, and, <laughs> and, and, and sound effects. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so that was the part that had the disease in it, and so it got cut out and uh, September 2017. So okay. now I'm in remission, and that's, that's something. <laughs> so now cr- Crohn's disease... I'm not a hundred percent. I get it confused with a couple other. Yeah, is, it, is, is it an autoimmune disease? That it's a, that's a good question. Uh, it has a strong links to the autoimmune sy- to the immune system, but it is not technically an autoimmune disease. Okay. But I'm on immunotherapy medicine. Okay. And I'm taking vitamin D. So there's there's hundred percent. It might as well be an autoimmune disease. But if I want to give you the technically right answer, technically it's not an autoimmune disease. So if if you're taking um amino supplements so it's is yeah. it a way that it attacks the protein then yes so the welcome me- to the biology podcast yes <laughs> oh did you study biology no okay. what's funny is i failed biology many times but i me understand too. it insanely well wow <laughs> yes so the, if i remember how i was explained when i was 13 years old uh, uh i was on i'm on immunosuppressors so they're suppressing the immune system and I believe that you are right. They suppress different proteins. Um, like there's a couple of immunosuppressors. There's Humira, uh, Remicade, uh, Riboflavin. <laughs> that's that's the vitamin, I think. Yeah. That's a nutrient. I, I was making a <laughs> joke. Uh, but I'm on this one called Stellara, and those, those I think they all suppress a different protein. And so, I mean, I'm 100% getting this wrong, but that's, <laughs> that's the best of my knowledge. Uh, like the doctor says take it, and I take it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I should add to it. No, I mean, basically, it's an inflammatory bowel disease. So think of it as if, like, IBS, like, really worked hard at its job, you know? <laughs> That's kind of how I think of it. <laughs> if IBS, like, really gave a lot of effort into it. <laughs> so that th- that's one of those things that I had to start understanding even. So it's like I... I can kind of understand that part of it, but like, no, what's the experience? Which I'm, which I'm not, you know, coming on here right now, going being like, ladies and gentlemen, I have IBS. <laughs> but we had talked on a few episodes. Uh, actually, it's been a couple months where I started realizing that I had uh, food addiction. Oh, and it was kind of an eye opener where I was just like, oh, like this is, uh, th- 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 this is like there are certain triggers and cues that yep. 
I end up eating when I don't even necessarily realize that I'm shoving food down my fat gullet. Mm-hmm. And it started causing GERD. And so I started just researching that like crazy. And I actually remember before, it was literally like one of the last two shows before Meltdown closed, I was sitting with Meredith. And somebody brought some something over to us, and she mentioned she had GERD. And I was like, oh, well, don't eat that because that just inflames your GERD. And oh. I had gone through every single thing possible. Yeah, research to is To start like, yeah. recognizing that. And like where people are like, oh, gluten, gluten intolerance isn't real. Where was all that forever ago? Which I now learned that part too. But where like you start getting some of those things like where you recognize like, oh, this is kind of a sign of like celiac right. disease. And, mm-hmm. and the way that like it just attacks your body and essentially gives you IBS when you don't necessarily have IBS. Yeah. But it just attacks you. And you start learning what your triggers are. Yeah. And you start, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I've i been on a million different diets for this, and I cheated on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's that was perfectly into my book, which I have a poem about now. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been on a million different diets. And, you know, even now, Crohn's disease is different for everybody. I'm sure you're the same way. I'm sure food addiction is different for each person. Has it- yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely affects everybody differently. and depending on how you approach it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've done a lot of, I've been on an insane amount of diets to try to figure out what my triggers were. Um, and other lifestyle chase, changes, um, it's hard to pin them down really. But, you know, it's it's so it's so specific for each person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I said IBS, so I'm assuming people are thinking of like diarrhea and like all that stuff. Most of my experience has been uh, like abdominal flares and cramping yeah. and ulcers and stuff like that. Which is not exactly the bathroom side of it, but it's like really painful. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I, I ended up getting an ulcer shortly before I had moved uh, to Los Angeles, and I'm scared to ever take a leave again or any type of like if I have a headache or something, because that's what ended up causing it. Oh, As I was I, I was taking them regularly, like before bed, and yeah, gave myself a fucking ulcer because I'm an idiot, <laughs> and that ended up like. <laughs> inflaming the gerd and things mm-hmm. like that so no like i've i've been down that path of mm-hmm. the ulcer and the yeah it's it's not fun no the whole my my whole life too since that was my main symptom since i was eight like i would get them like Ooh. oh yeah yeah so oh yeah i would i also was an active kid so i would play sports i would get them during like like sporting events i'll get them during class Ooh. oh yeah yeah I could, I could go into it but you know it's not the most fun topic to talk <laughs> about but uh Hey, you know, even a, a painful life is still a rich life, and a rich life is a beautiful life. You're, you're gonna put that on your headstone someday. And I am going to write a uh, <laughs> book of quote. I am gonna write a book of, book of motivational quotes. I'll be putting on Instagram. <laughs> Three steps to have a happy, healthy life. First of all, pain. <laughs> so I, I like though that you're that you've taken that and put that into into your stand up. I think it was a, uh, it was Berbiglia that had talked about how you have to go to like the darkest, most uncomfortable places. And right from those places, <laughs> what, yeah, the artist's perspective, yeah, yeah, because it it's what uh, Hart Hardwick had named uh, one of his last albums "Fun Comfortable," because of that very much. Where you're trying Does to he have, have Crohn's disease too. His his was more, I think, of like his dad dying and like uh, whatever. a lot of not that. Fu- it's not fucking yeah, crazy. it's you not Crohn's disease. Get out of here! With that but shit. it was, it, but you look at a lot of Berbiglia's like one man shows and like uh, Chris Gethard is another one where yeah, Chris Gethard like yeah, he hones in on it. Yeah, he really focuses in on it. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's so funny, but it's so relatable, and I I love 
like especially if you watch Chris Gethard's last special, you feel those moments where everybody just <laughs> kind of like, oh my god, or like the air gets sucked out of the room. But he like just with breadcrumbs brings you right back to be able to laugh at just this terrible experience and so i love that like you've taken it to that place where it's, yeah i hope that's what i'm doing yeah. <laughs> hey if you're if you're getting the audience responses to it i mean you're you're seeing it happening so. yeah i mean i always knew showing my scar was a pretty big step even though yeah <laughs> it's not breast cancer but uh, uh like it's still <laughs> like it throws people off yeah definitely the first time i did it, i'm like people are going to be weirded out by this but i'm just going to see if it works <laughs> yeah but i i mean i also my favorite thing is like when I first, the first, when I go into my Crohn's material, the first thing I say is, hi, so I have Crohn's disease. It's, there's no opening joke. I just say it. And like, even that, like everyone like hones in on that. And they immediately, yeah. they immediately like, like they're watching you because they know this is like, this is a real thing now. <laughs> and so for like a lovely like moment, you have their undivided attention and you can do whatever you want with that. Yeah. And from there, I I try to keep it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's bits like that that it draws them in, but also lets them know that it's okay to laugh about it because they're like, "That's hard." Okay, he knows. So it's it's why I think you had heard me do one of my openers a few times about how uh, I'm a vegetarian, even though it looks like I ate three other vegetarians, <laughs> and I started using that a lot because I, had, I the first time I ever said it was in a defensive mechanism where somebody a relative. Uh, had come over to my parents and s- somehow got mentioned that I uh, was a vegetarian. And the guy, mind you, he was much fatter than I am, <laughs> had the gall to cock his eye and go, oh, he's a vegetarian. <laughs> and I was like, wow, buddy. cool motherfucker. But in my head, I was just like, yeah, I know. It looks like I ate three other and it <laughs> killed the entire room. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, I- and I s- loved opening with that because immediately people are like okay he knows he's fat like yep. it's uh we we, yep. we can we can go with this oh yeah a lot of the jokes a lot of the um my crone jokes are also just ways for me to be self-deprecating too yeah. which is obviously a great tool to have to get the audience on your side uh, i'm trying to I'm going through my entire joke list right now to see what else i do with it <laughs> uh let's see <laughs> uh oh i i Oh, what I've been really doing that I really think is fun, I talk about other people who have Crohn's disease. So I don't have material on it yet, but um, I have material on this. The guy who wrote the first Alien movie had Crohn's disease. Really? And he based the chest-bursting alien off the pain he felt when his Crohn's was flaring up. Really? Yeah, amazing, right? I did not know that. Yeah, I have a bit about it. I won't do, but it's like, that's I love that because then like they learn something too. <laughs> but um, they uh, uh, Eisenhower had Crohn's disease. Um, Ogden Nash, comedic poet. I'm sure you don't. You probably don't know who he is. I've I've heard the name. I did not know that he was a comedic poet. No, no. He yeah yeah. He had Crohn's disease. He actually died because he uh, ate some bad coleslaw and it gave him a flare up and then he killed him. Oh wow. Yeah. So stay away from coleslaw now. I'm trying. You know they hadn't <laughs> had they didn't have as great me- coleslaw medicine back then. Okay, the coleslaw med- vaccines now are really good. So I'm, I'll be okay. I mean I don't vaccinate obviously, but if I were to, va- <laughs> it's just an extra shot of mayo. <laughs> <laughs> this will do it. Less cabbage, more I'm mayo. Sorry, do you have Cool Ranch? I actually wasn't looking for the <laughs> the the gluten free mayo. Uh, yeah, I want to tell the story too about. Oh, uh, can I look something up on my phone? Go for it about this really awesome woman who had Crohn's disease and I want to turn into a, a bit. I'll, I'll tell you like the really short story because I think it's just like the coolest thing. 
but there was this Republican operative in the 90s who had Crohn's disease. And I know I said the word Republican. Okay, everybody calm down. She's one of the good. She's all right. <laughs> Anybody listening to this in their car just now like swerve. <laughs> <just, "Huh." laughs> Famous people with Crohn's disease. This is a good thing to have in my search history. <laughs> uh, there's a Wikipedia article about this. I'm going uh, to. You see, you, you, you make it self-deprecating. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't have this in my search history. But it is a good thing to have in your search history because it's good to be able to relate to people that. Yeah, that that have those those type of issues. Like it, when when I started recognizing the whole food addiction thing, uh, was ironically when we were doing the Russell Brand shows. Oh, and one of the most meaningful moments to me with him uh, was before the very last show. He got there really early to make sure that everything was set up and yeah, ready. He was surprisingly nervous about everything. Yeah, and he walked around out in meltdown with me for like ten minutes, just Aww. like talking comic books and collectibles, and we crashed a Dungeons and Dragons game that was going on because he wanted to understand what people were doing. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of talked to him about it because he had just put out his recovery book. And uh, some of that goes into food addiction. Oh. And because so even though it was about like alcoholism and, and drug recovery and stuff, he made it so that it encompassed any type of recovery. And so I, I dove into it from that and it was good to kind of look at other people that as addicts uh you know how they how they adjusted to things and uh, even uh, i don't know if you've been listening to dak shepherd's podcast at all armchair no. expert excellent excellent podcast and when he had uh it's weird this is like the fifth time i've referenced chris hardwick all of a sudden but <laughs> chris hardwick <laughs> if you're listening we're calling you out <laughs> <laughs> he had him on uh one of the early episodes and they mentioned, because both of them are recovering alcoholics, and how if they even had a sip of alcohol, how it would just ruin them for weeks on end. Mm-hmm. And all it was like the click in my brain where it's just like, oh my god, that's that's how it is. If I have a bite yeah, of like, especially fast the food, realization moment, it will just like it will send me on a spiral. And I did have it feels weird to say it with food a relapse, mm-hmm. but. That little relapse of a couple of weeks threw 15 extra pounds on me. And it was like a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. But it was seeing people that had those same experiences yeah. that you have to learn from. Go, oh, that's, yeah, that's where they're that's where they're coming from. So, no, I think it's a great thing that you that you look up other people that have had Crohn's disease oh, and yeah. see their process and, and what they did. Inspiring, the person I just looked up, I'll chat with her in a second, but I wanted to, I wanted to ask a question. When you, when you first like had that realization moment, did you like feel like at least a little better knowing that you knew that now about yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's a scary thing to realize that something that is so part of our daily lives could destroy your life <laughs> right especially because we're we're always we're trained to think that addiction is always with substances you yeah. know we're always like okay, alcoholic or cocaine or something like that you know and it's harder to admit to yourself that maybe this thing that everyone else is okay with is something that i'm not okay with right yeah it's it's funny too because with the people would always be like oh you're a vegetarian and like i try to eat even vegan a lot of the time and people would always be like oh, i could never do that with the cheese yeah and then when you dig into that even further with on the addiction part of it most people don't realize that it's because, and right now somebody's gonna be like, eh, this is some Peter propaganda piece," and but no, it's just science. The yeah. the uh, casein proteins in cheese actually react the trigger centers of your brain the same way that heroin does. 
And so that's why when people are like, oh, I could never give up cheese, it's because you're addicted. Yeah. It's like you just think that it's really good. And yeah, cheese is really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's because you're addicted and you just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's weird seeing the things that your body reacts to. And Oh, yeah. Part of that's in my brain, too. I know for sure, because all, all the time when like when I was on diets and I could uh, I could eat something and I, I would cheat all the time, obviously, because my brain just like gravitates to things like no, I not, not, should not be having. But I would also like have ice cream and I would like, no, I should not. OK, I'll have like half the tub and I'll just put it back and I would end up overeating and then I would feel shit. Mm-hmm. And then it would make me feel like crap also, because yeah. you know, illness. And I would forget about that and then do it again two days later. Yeah, and, and, and especially would, dairy products with inflammatory bowel disease of any kind. Oh, it's yeah. just like, it's a heyday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I felt awful. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, very painful. I mean, up until, like, right before my surgery, my, my I was I ate, like, three things for the most part. I ate chicken, and I ate eggs, and I had smoothies because my disease had basically almost shut shut down my entire, like, intestinal. Ooh. Yeah, it was so thin that barely anything could pass through, so I had to really, like, find what foods I could eat. But I would break that all the time. And every time I was risking a blockage, I was risking something getting stuck in there, and then you'd have to go to hospital and you have to get it cut out like emergency. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but I would I would risk it all the time, and it would always be painful because you know it's squeezing through there like right. Yeah, like a gusher. I just not I just not picking metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would chill. Yeah, because I I just have a uh, problem with being told I'm not supposed to eat something. Yeah, th- and see that's how it is for that was how it was for me too. Because I didn't like having somebody to be like, yeah, you can't eat that because it'll make you fat. Yeah. You can't eat this because it's, and I was just like, shut the fuck up. I'll eat, like, people would always be like, oh, you should work with the trainer. You should work with the nutritionist. And I'm like, it doesn't matter to me. Oh, interesting. Like, Other people, it was, for me, it was always me telling myself I shouldn't be having it. Yeah, well, see, I, it I was my it worst. Was, it was that, too. It was still me telling myself. Mm-hmm. But then I would, I like, my mom is very health conscious. She's like, she's actually just last year became a certified trainer. Wow. Like, it it there's a lot of that kind of within family oh, yeah. and stuff oh, and so yeah <laughs> and so i hear a lot of that of oh you should work with the you should work with the nutritionist and i was just like it's you don't get it it's not mm-hmm. and i didn't realize i had like a food addiction during those times but it was like uh, it doesn't make me accountable to have to tell somebody if i had a cookie today like yeah. that's i can only be accountable to myself and having to be accountable to somebody else with something like that it was just it was stupid to me yeah i mean maybe it works for some people but for me it it, it didn't and it was me telling my like beating myself up mm-hmm. yeah i uh even though i'm in remission i still have to figure out what foods work with me and, and what what don't and like this summer i uh i kept trying new foods and it kept like causing me pain and so i looked through like my what i was eating and like okay what you know because the way I'm right now, if I eat something, I won't know it hurts until four days later. Oof. And then it lasts a couple of days after that lingering pain. So it takes a while for me to learn. And if I'm eating that thing once a day, every day, you know, it's going to take a while for it to get out of my system. And like, I just, I, ha- I put my foot down this summer. I just had enough of like trying foods and feeling pain. So I really stuck to the diet I knew. And I really didn't try anything for a while until like just now recently. But like, I found my breaking point basically yeah. with like, Doing foods I wasn't supposed to have. I found like the moment I was like, I was having pain every day. I was like, this is not, it's not worth it. And so I, it's, there's no system there. There's no like step program. There's mm-hmm. nothing. It's just like I had my, uh, had enough. Yeah. And that really has to be what it is sometimes. As, as much as it is, sometimes it's, we have to learn yeah, the hard way. You have to hurt like, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm essentially killing myself 
and I mean, for me, my my eye opener was uh, like I think it was, yeah, it was it was April two thousand seventeen. I thought I had a kidney stone. Well, I oh, did. Yeah. I did have a kidney stone. Mm-hmm. And every time I see that, people are like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." When I have a kidney stone, they pass very easily. I drink so much goddamn water that wow, good for you, Tim. That no, good it for doesn't you. it doesn't affect me like most people. People always be like, "Oh, you should probably be going to the hospital." I'm like, "No, like." I don't want to act more like, oh, I'm in so much pain. Like, no, like they're not bad for me. And this one kind of was. And it wasn't super bad, but I was getting nervous. Uh-huh. And I went to, I went to just into an Instacare. And the doctor was like, basically, like, I don't, I don't give a shit about your kidney stone. Sorry. Your blood pressure is out of control. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he showed me where it was at and he's like you're at risk for a stroke or a heart attack wow and i was just like what, what are you talking about like I've, i'm i'm 30 i was uh, turning 33 and i mean some people are like oh it's your jesus here i'm like let's have a better outcome like <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't want that and it was a it was an eye opener to be like oh yeah i i, I didn't know and th- luckily the doctor i ended up Getting as like my primary care physician was somebody I actually went to high school with. Oh, which you had it in. Yeah, which, which I think I don't know if that you ever heard me talk about it in any stand up because I started making a lot of jokes about that, and my doctor <laughs> too immediately was like, "I'm going to end up in every single joke, aren't I?" And I was like, "Yeah, kinda." Because <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. All I had one bit, you know, they tell you to be nice to you know, the, you shouldn't bully people because you'll end up working for them. They never told you that they might have your balls in their hand at some point. So. <laughs> But it was, it, it was good to be able to sit with him, and he's like, "Well, that's why they call a heart attack and stuff the silent killer, is because there aren't symptoms. There aren't, you know, people are just loading salt into their body and stuff, and loading all this extra sodium in, and yeah, they don't realize what it's doing. And all of a sudden, I was like, "Wait, sodium? What?" And I had never paid attention to some because all you ever hear in health classes is, "Oh, calories and fat," and nobody is bringing up like. Oh yeah, you should really regulate your sodium so your heart doesn't explode. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was having to have those self realization moments of like, oh, it's that'll kill me, right? Isn't that the worst? But you always hear about those people who have had heart attacks who live and they're like, okay, I'm good now. Like Kevin Smith is like, I'm gonna take care of myself yeah. now. But like, God, the point you have to get to in order to like do that is the worst. Oh yeah, it's it's the absolute worst to have to reflect back on it and then like. Moving, moving to Los Angeles, I ended up, I had lost like 70 pounds and I've gained a lot of that back because of falling into a relapse of, mm-hmm. of the food. But it was also, I'm glad that that happened because it was like, now I really know, like, yeah, that's an you know issue. for sure. There's no yeah. doubt. Yeah. I mean, you probably have a point too about uh, how our food education system is like, I'm sure the food pyramid does not stand up anymore. Oh, no, no. I'm sure it's... (laughs) It's so bottom-heavy. Where's the garlic bread? Where's the garlic (laughs) bread on that totem? I want to see where it is. (laughs) I mean, I think it has like 6 to 11 servings of bread. Right, and pizza's a vegetable, sure. Yeah, yeah. there (laughs) there are so many flaws to the food pyramid that I'm just like, yeah, that's... And that's what we... And BMI, too, which is totally... Yeah. I am technically overweight according to bmi because i'm so short but i'm so much muscle on me (laughs) no but i'm so short but i weigh like i weigh the amount a normal person would weigh so yeah so i'm i'm overweight according to bmi 
Yeah, there there were some uh, guys when I was a freshman in college. I had some friends that because uh, I, I had gone to Utah Valley University in, in Orem. Congratulations! And I had friends that were just down the street at BYU that were playing football, and they were monsters because they were college football player well, like one of them actually got in my car and it set off the airbag sensor <laughs> because he was this giant lineman for byu now most people should know i hate byu and no i'm not a supporter yep, get that on the record but uh, this podcast sponsored by byu by brigham young university <laughs> would you get like your, your kids indoc- <laughs> would you like your kids indoctrinated it's not sex <laughs> Yeah, that sadly that is a thing there. <laughs> but it it was uh, I remember talking to some of them about that, and they were in insane shape. But yeah, the BMI was so like they were clinically like morbidly obese, even though they were in like tip top shape, because yeah, their height didn't match their yeah. their muscle mass. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Fuck the old system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can also pick apart our sexual education system, which is which is ten times worse as our. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we we could spend an hour talking about the pre- the ways our education have failed us. <laughs> PE, how is running eighteen laps one time a year supposed to tell me how fit I am? <laughs> I I I, I want to know what was the thing where you had to like run and pick up an eraser. What? And, uh, what are they called? Like so, so ladders. That's, oh, where you go like do and yeah. then oh sometimes yes. you'd have to go and pick up an eraser or like touch like a, a free yes, throw line. I had to do that a lot when I when I played the various athletic I played a lot of <laughs> tennis in my days, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't miss I don't miss doing those. Oh yeah. The, the, those were the worst. And yeah, there was nothing I mean granted I played some football. I can maybe see how it might have come in handy a little bit with football. But Yeah. Otherwise no. Yeah. I mean, they were helpful with tennis because you're supposed to have your cardio up. Yeah. You're supposed to be in good cardio shape, but you know, I don't know. I was I I spent most of my time strategizing how to be wily and cheat and cheap rather than have best <laughs> cardio. <laughs> that's that's my whole family plays tennis, and that's how all of them play. They play crappy. If you know anything about tennis, they let they drop shot all the time. They make you work for it. Yeah, we're 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 angry to play against. <laughs> See, I I'm the worst at tennis, and it drives my wife crazy because she loves playing tennis, and she can't play it with me. Because I played a lot of baseball growing up, and so in my brain, oh, when just, a ball's coming it. at me, yep, yep. <laughs> I swing for the fences. Oh yeah. And so I, she's try. Like I own my own tennis racket. It's in pristine condition because <laughs> it's been used like two or three times. I think my brother-in-law has used it more than I have because he didn't have a racket, and my wife would go to play with her brother instead because he could actually play tennis, and he would just have to use my racket. <laughs> And yeah, I I was trying to learn to just gently give it a yeah. And no, I just I couldn't do it. I would love to be able to, but <laughs> that's why doubles is occasionally so much fun because sometimes they'll accidentally hit like a nice lob one, and those you can just smash into the ground. Yeah. Oh, or volleyball, you know those are fun too. If I could reach the net. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you played. So when you played sports, this was because you grew up in Seattle. Yes. Right. Yes. So I mean, what? What was it that initially got you into comedy with having some of those sports and everything? And My origin. So I don't know if you heard, I have Crohn's disease. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is a great source. I actually don't even have Crohn's disease. It's just a great source of material. I don't even have it. Uh, I'm perfectly healthy. I don't know if I could pinpoint my origin. I can pinpoint my origin to poetry, which I did poetry before I did comedy. So that's where I started doing creative stuff is in college. I was studying computer science, going to be a good uh, Jewish boy. And then 
two years in, I was like, I hate this and this sucks, everything. And I actually forgot to apply to the major because you're supposed to apply. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten. I completely forgotten. And I noticed the deadline passed. And I was like, well, this sucks. And I tear myself up. I like watched like behind the scenes film videos. And I was like, oh, wait, shouldn't I be trying to do this instead? <laughs> yeah. So I immediately sw- I went to advisor and they're like, well, you took all these English classes. And because all the film classes were English classes. Mm-hmm. And so. Was this at UW? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't I just become an English major? And I took a poetry class and I fell in love with it. And my teacher was the best teacher ever, Linda Beards. She's not listening. (laughs) (laughs) But she's amazing, amazing poet, amazing teacher. And she uh, introduced me to poetry, and she was so supportive. And I started writing halfway through the the class to entertain myself. I would start writing funny poems just to amuse myself. And then I somehow transitioned to, what if I also do stand-up? Isn't that a thing? And so I started doing mics and poetry, and then I went from there. Honestly, it's not a lifeline dream. I could be doing anything. I don't yeah. have to do this. <laughs> I this is I'm, I'm too good for this. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. One, I'm not one of those people that's like I can't do anything else. Oh, I have no other talents. Not that I'm like a talented fe- fella. I just like uh, I just I'm I'm not good at giving up on things. So I right. started. And I'm like I'm bad at this. I had to keep doing this till I'm good at this. And yeah. now it's, Wh- too, which it's is, too late. Which is very much how this really goes. That's yeah. I mean that. You understand the game that has to be played. And it's a lifelong <laughs> game, too. You're never going to be like, well, I've done this, and I can yeah. stop now. Look at Chappelle. He could have had everything. <laughs> yeah, and straight up was just like, man, I don't want it anymore. I'm going to come back. I'm yeah. going to come back in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, it's, even like the the Flight of the Concords guys. They, it was yeah. the same thing. Just like, nah, we're done. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I know that I'm broken enough inside that <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what I get to do, like – as each thing continues to progress, it'll always be like, yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta keep going. I, I gotta do more because I am one of those people where I've had to sit back and be like, oh, I can't do anything else. People are like, oh, you could be a business manager. I'm yeah. like, I could also blow my brains out. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's something I actively try to avoid. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's one of the reasons I switched in college because I really hate. I can't, it's hard for me to do something I hate. That's the one thing. I, yeah, that's my my pretentious fault is I can't do something I hate. Yeah, I, I don't even I'm, – I'm sure I've kind of briefly talked about it on here, but I was very close to finishing my bachelor's in business and just hated every second of it. Every, every single moment of it, I hated. Yeah, same with me in computer science. I actually came out here uh, for a little break. I hadn't been to L.A. in years and was like, I, I, I need to head out to L.A. for a break. I had a friend that was working at Paramount at the time. And I was just like, yeah, come through. I'll get you guys just in on one of like the studio tours. And oh, cool. And I came out and just kind of started exploring things. And all of a sudden, things kind of felt right. And I mean, granted, it's a vacation. Like, your brain kind of gets into that like vacation mode. Grass is always greener. Yep. But there were moments. So, my great great uncle is Jimmy Stewart. Wow. And there were just like weird, like the whole superstition part of my brain starts yeah. coming in where he was definitely much taller than I was. But our <laughs> hand sizes were the same size. And like our feet were the same size. It's like when I went up to like the like the walk of fame and everything and the Oh and like putting him in, I was like oh, I was like, this is just kinda like Oh, you had you had a sign. And every place that we would go, there was randomly Something Jimmy Stewart related. Oh, and it started being like it kind of felt awkward. Where I was like, like, I feel like this is kind of pushing me to like, hey, you need to halt. Even though I was going into business and I was planning to use it for entertainment, 
nothing had ever thought, why don't you just make the entertainment? And, uh, yes. And I went mm-hmm. back home and immediately was like, this is my last semester of business school. And I took that last well, well final. Done. I took It was an accounting final. I took my last final. Well done. Walked out the building and it like it it was like something just kind of manifested itself where it was like that was your last day in business school mm-hmm. and I took the next semester off I got an agent that was a really bad agent <laughs> <laughs> and started learning how the business worked and enrolled in film school and yeah it, it, when I first started writing like satirical essays and stuff and one of the first ones I wrote was called mom dad I'm gonna be an entertainer <laughs> it was the open letter to my parents of uh, might yeah. as well be gay yeah well it, it was basically also pointing the blame at them <laughs> because i was just like you guys you guys pushed me into this without realizing it. i mean when i was six years old i was obsessed with in living color like fire marshal bill was my thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and i started realizing it more and more as the years have gone on i'm like how are they surprised this is the path I chose? It's like, I've got one brother in med school, one in dental school. My sister, I think she's doing something in medical. Yeah, nobody else in my family does anything and creative. And I'm the, I'm the one in Hollywood doing doing this stuff. And yeah. It was, they, they, they all kind of had, I mean, we all loved comedy. But they had more of the Bill Nye and the Magic School Bus. And oh, yeah. They had more of that than i did whereas i got the the in living color and the mr bean and sctv and red Dwar- like all of that was like my main attention when uh-huh. i was young and so the fact that it's like i like I, i'm doing this it's like yeah it makes sense how did i how did i ever think i could yeah <laughs> i relate to that like re- realization moment so much too because i hung out with the theater kids in college um, and because I, I just want to be around it once I once I watched the behind the scenes videos, I was like, "This is amazing! I want to do everything." Yeah. And I was like stage managing, <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, why aren't I in the things? Why am I coordinating them?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I don't want to do this. I want to be part of it." Right. And it was still a good learning experience, and I have no disdain for stage managers because what they do is like the most important mm-hmm. job on the set, honestly. <laughs> but like uh, well, that realization moment, when I'm like, "Why don't I go to an open mic instead of uh, making sure that." these actors are getting in going to the stage in the right moment yeah. <laughs> yeah that was that was powerful when when was it that you finally moved to los angeles and like what was the what was the kind of eye opener like oh i need to i need to head south it was a whim at the end of at, right after i graduated i moved within two months oh wow i, I dro- put my stuff in my car and i drove down oh wow <laughs> yeah classic <laughs> got got a shitty place a shitty room in a shitty place what what been, area were you in you palms okay uh, the 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 neighborhood itself is fine. I still live there, but the the place uh, a couple of streets, a couple of doors down, there was a meth house that always got busted. <laughs> we would have this. We would have the whole street closed down, like like guarded off, because the police were doing a raid, like every. Oh jeez. Yeah, helicopters. Uh, um, to, yeah, the, the place wasn't wasn't great. Uh, but yeah, I moved. I moved like right after college. There was no like plan <laughs> it was a whim and i didn't even get to go to open mics until a year after i had settled because i was so caught up with like trying to make sure i had health insurance yeah and, and trying to make sure you could survive <laughs> yeah trying to yeah trying to make sure i i made enough money to like keep myself alive yeah yeah the, the first year here is the absolute hardest yeah so like i just barely passed my one year mark congratulations and i do have to say like i got pretty fucking lucky for my first 
year with a lot of things I got to do. Yeah. But it's still like now going into the second year, it's like, oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I know how to drive this train now. It gets easier. <laughs> and you, you probably knew people too. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And that was the lucky thing is I was coming back and forth all the time. Oh, yeah. So, and you, had so a, you had a little bit of foundation. Yeah. Like even, even getting into to, uh, Meltdown, I already knew Caitlin. And so <laughs> it was coming in and I sent her an email. And she's like, hey, uh, you said there was something at Meltdown I could possibly do. Uh, and she was like, oh, yeah, like, come in. Like, let's talk about this. And it was just me going in and being like, so this is what it is. Yeah, I mean, do you still want to do that? I was like, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. I, I want to be a part of this. Yes. So it's like, I mean, I, I definitely got lucky for my first year to just kind of have some connections. But I won't lie. When, it, uh, when Meltdown closed, I felt lost. I was just like, this was this was my bearing moving here. Like, yeah. everything I know kind of f- centered around Meltdown. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just kind of like, um, where, where, where do I go from here? Yeah, it's hard because it was also like a hangout. It wasn't yeah. just like a comedy club. But yeah, you and I would both be over there all the time if we weren't working shows. Just Yeah, I went there a lot, yeah. yeah. It was because I did the open mic a couple times, and then and I just realized I got intern there. Mm-hmm. And that was like amazing also to have that security of going to the same club and getting to know that one place very well yeah it's easier than like constantly going to clubs never been to driving around town like trying to integrate yourself in all the other comedy venues which i you sh- i am gonna do now because you need to to, to do stuff elsewhere right. you know you can't stay one place forever but yeah it's so important it yeah was a it's nice place. it's important to find to find that clubhouse that uh that, that lets oh, yeah. you that lets you you know be you and and be yourself like the clubhouse oh yeah i guess we do have we <laughs> do have a we do have a place to here called yeah. the clubhouse i forgot yeah. about that i need to go more to that place i have a list of things comedy stores on them i yeah. swear <laughs> what so what was meltdown your first place that you went to then once you once you kind of got settled what was the first place i went to i might have gone to west side comedy theater the first as the first okay. place that's a, that's in brentwood or westwood no it's in santa monica Okay, I don't know which one that is. Then. Oh, it's it's. They say it's the biggest place for comedy west of the four hundred five, and I think yeah. they're right actually. Like like west of the four hundred five, that's like like Neil Brennan has a weekly show there. Oh really? Yeah 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 they yeah they 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 are. Yeah. I'm in Santa Monica almost daily, so now I need to like. <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah it's in an alley, but it's like a real it, the open mic there is like the most trafficked open mic, and I think in the whole city. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. So that many, many people, people venture west of the 405 at night. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a 10 p.m. mic on a Tuesday, what? and there's like 60. Okay, okay. Like so I guess 60. that's not that bad to venture over at that time. No, but it's like there's like 60 people signing up every every week. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But uh, real people wander in, so it's a valuable audience. Yeah. Um, but I definitely went to Meltdown. That was one of my first times. The Comedy Bureau really was an amazing resource. Yeah. For those that don't know what the Comedy Bureau is, it's a website that basically has everything you need to know about comedy in la mm-hmm. and it you can donate on their page too to please help them yes. keep it running because it is a very valuable resource yeah. <laughs> yeah and they have lists of open mics oh nightly and that's super helpful for uh people who are afraid to call clubs like me and also just wander in and see if there's a mic mm-hmm. can't imagine what that was like in the old days Ooh. no no the comedy bureau definitely what my friend uh, christian piper who he's now in new york doing comedy and he uh, he'd been out here for about two years and he he was pretty regular. He had a show over at the Improv that he was doing as a as a I believe it was a monthly show. And then he was regularly at the comedy store doing stuff. And I hit him up and was just like, "Hey, 
So I'm making the move, like, where, and he was immediately like, he's like, if you're not familiar with the Comedy Bureau, that's what you need to be looking at. Yeah. They have great comedy news as well. Oh, yeah. And they are very supportive of other shows, alternative and not alternative. They're not like, go to the Comedy Store all nights this week. No, they're like, go to Larry Kyperian and see this weird, fun show that's going to happen. And then, yeah. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah, which which Lyric and Hyperion is an amazing venue. Yeah, I recently did a I helped out with a show there. Uh, it wasn't stand up, it was storytelling, but but they were they were great. It was a really cool venue. Can't say good, good enough things about them. I'll be there this Saturday for a, for a thing. So. Oh, cool. What are you doing? Uh Julia Prescott who she did the uh Nerdist lecture series. Oh yeah, uh, those are great. She it's now the the JP lecture series. Um but she has the writers from Brooklyn Nine-Nine coming in. Oh, that's oh yeah! I see that on Facebook all the yeah. time. That's like going to be a big thing. That's like there's like a thousand people RSVP to that, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Ju- Julia does wow. an amazing job, and I I really missed those. Yeah. And I don't like that I have to pay for them now, but but <laughs> right. I, I will support it because it's an amazing. <laughs> yeah, they were so good and they were free. Yeah. Did Did Jamie Loftus do her special there? I think so. I think she did. I, I'm pretty sure she also did. a great special. People need to see it's on yes. YouTube if you haven't seen it. It's yeah, Jamie hilarious. is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Oh my god. I was on a show. She was also named one of the top like thirty like rising comedians by Vulture. Yeah. I was uh My friend Shane was on that uh list. The oh. only one out of Utah that made it. Nice. Yeah. I was very grateful uh, to be on a show with her and Atsuko. Uh, I forgot her last name. Uh but um they were both on the top thirty list and I was on a show. Uh it was Jenny's show and I and I was between them. So Oh, Jamie geez. went up, and then I went up, and then Atsuka went up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they both afterwards they said I did a good job, which was very, very encouraging. Yeah, I was very grateful because those are two amazing comics. Yeah, it's it's always good to have that bigger name there. That's just like that was funny. Oh yeah, yeah. And Mike uh, Mike Kaplan opened too. Oh, and Mike Kaplan. So yeah, he was. Yeah, when you were talking about um like comics to go like a million miles an hour. Oh my God, that's what he was doing. But it was great. He was just going nuts with it. Yeah, and it with a genocide joke that was funny. <laughs> 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 so, to hear him tell it. <laughs> he he I think he, I just saw him on one of the up and up shows. It was the last oh, time I great. saw him. I think it was He was great. Was an up and up and it was amazing. <laughs> he was also bartending cuz there was free wine so he was pouring everybody yeah. wine but he knew nothing about it so he was just like this is a red. <laughs> that was about every time when we had free wine at Meltdown. It was me going this is white and it goes in here. Yes. And uh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but those are the best shows to work because then you get the the tips. Yeah, they got we got crazy tips on those shows. Oh my god, <laughs> I worked I worked the we're recording our late night set show, uh, and they had it was free and they had free alcohol and they brought in their own bartenders but they gave us a tips and there was like oh, seventy so nice. people that showed up. Yeah, we each got like fifty bucks in tips at the end of it. But, yeah, that, but they did all the work. Beauty. Yeah, God, it was so great and also it was great to watch all these comics do like that was such a learning experience for me watching them do their mm-hmm. their fives. Like thirty in a row, do the not thirty oh, yeah. in a row, but that's that's insane. But like fifteen in a row, do their fives. Yeah, it's it's crazy. To, like I, I remember one of my first open mics, Mike Lawrence. Uh, when I went up right after him, and I was just like, I don't want to follow Mike Lawrence. Yeah, and yeah. he was working his Conan set, and it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jamie Loftus was telling her amazing story about how she's eating infinite jest, and I had to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a joke. She's eating the book. She's eating it. <laughs> that's amazing oh she's so great yeah yeah the bechtel cast is now at the ruby yes i, I saw that they just did a live show with uh with uh is it mara wilson yes yes yeah, i was Matilda. there yeah yeah it was great yeah I, I i see the posts and i'm on like the ruby mailing list and i'll read it and i'll be like oh yeah, i should go to that 
and that's where my thought ends. <laughs> and I, I need to be more proactive about it because they also sell out every time. Yeah. So yeah. Like we're we're supposed to do some of the podcasts still over there because we were recording in some of the nerdist spaces, but then when Meltdown closed, it was kind of like, yeah, it it ruffled everything. Oh yeah, because people had established a routine there. Yeah, and it was also a home base for a lot of shows mm-hmm. that I'm. I haven't even thought about all the shows that haven't found a home because I've I've been thinking about all the shows that moved on, but I haven't thought about shows that have just dissipated once it closed. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, there's a handful. I don't know what happened to. Yeah, I don't know if Comedy Sucks is still going. I had I had actually had a lot of fun in all their shows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would imagine there there's has to be going somewhere. Yeah. I mean, historical roasts, dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> dead no. in the water. Come they, on, they, Sammy. Why, why didn't you do anything <laughs> with that? <laughs> no, they went to the comedy store and then Netflix. Let me yeah. think other shows. This little streaming service. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's actually, a lot of the shows, though, that were there I found bigger venues, which is great. Yeah. That yeah, because really Marcella cool. moved over to uh, the, the improv. improv. Yeah, hopefully there's uh, a female base there. Did uh, Fresh Out go anywhere? Or did Emily and no, Adam just get too damn busy? Not, no, not fresh out. But um, what's that baseball one again? On deck. Yes, that one found a home somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- th- these are all great LA shows that, like, if even if you We're don't so live here, baseball. <laughs> th- like, there are shows that when you come to LA, you need to find them because they mm-hmm. are amazing comedy shows and they're cheap. Yeah. So and you could go to on to the comedy bureau. You don't have to be a comedian mm-hmm. to go on there to be like, hey, what's well, a show I should go see? It's it's a good resource yeah. to if you're coming to town to be like, hey, I want to see a comedy show. Where should I go? Yeah, and ask also ask comedians too. Yeah, because they'll know good little shows that are sometimes are on the comedy bureau. Like the Ruby shows aren't always on the comedy bureau, and there's some really great uh, shows. And then I mean, it's always it's fine to go to UCB show and everything. Like that's also yeah, fine. Those I, are I regularly go to ASCAP. Oh yeah. So it, I, I I sometimes really find myself in a creative funk, especially since Meltdown closed. I found myself in a real creative funk, and I have some of my go-to shows that I regularly will go through and rewatch because somehow they just like feed my brain. Mm-hmm. Like Seinfeld's one that I will go through regularly and rewatch mm. because just the way that it's written, certain things key my brain. Yeah, uh, The Simpsons, of course. Yeah, like, I totally understand. And like I've actually been going back through and rewatching Friends. Yeah. And it's because it's just like a joke a minute. And it just gets my brain. It yep. drives my wife crazy <laughs> because yeah. she will we were at Universal the other day and I'm just going crazy in my notepad on my phone because I'm getting ready to do some submissions for some stuff and I just need my my sketch pack and some of those things to be really tight. And I'm just like, oh, no, this is a better idea than what I've already got. <laughs> And she, it drives her crazy, but she also gets it where she's just like, it's crazy to watch your brain just like turn when you have to put yourself into those, yeah, those spaces. I've been rewatching The Office, and my dead, yeah. my deadpan is on point. <laughs> that and Arrested Development and The Office are like, I, I give so deadpan. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true though. Like, uh, some of my jokes require a deadpan, like good deadpan too, and that's just been getting better, and I've been learning. So that's really cool. Yeah, watching other stuff. Also, being entering at the Ruby is just so helpful because I just love standing in the back and watching every mm-hmm. show. Like, and there's mostly there's a couple stand up shows that I can't really see, but there's mostly sketch now. So that's what I'm tuning into, and uh, that's really helpful watching that. Yeah, but, and 
I, I love sketch shows. So, I mean, that's something I need to kind of come over to the Ruby. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the one I was writing that we were doing for yeah, the Oscars. For the Oscars. Yeah. And we knew that it there was a high likelihood it was not going to sell well. Mm-hmm. And we were really bummed when it didn't sell at all. Yeah. And because I love writing sketches and <laughs> getting mm-hmm. those out there. So it, it excites me to know that there are sketch comedy shows that are doing well <laughs> oh yeah the pack theater has a bunch of sketch shows yeah. that always get a huge amount of people and even if it was like a pay what you can theater they always get a huge turnout for their sketch shows yeah one of my buddies uh, went through like a bunch of the training uh, over at the pack oh cool so yeah i'm, I'm I, I need to get over there as well he, he wanted me to do this improv movie thing that they were doing <laughs> and I, it was like r- going right into san diego comic-con and i was like no my july is eaten up by our preparation just to get everything ready for san diego oh yeah and then doing the show in san diego and everything and then august we just take off all of august because we're just like our brains need to like that's cool calm down i was bummed because i it sounded really cool and yeah it was over at yeah over at the pack i've never done any i've never done anything outside of town apart from seattle and and la that would be cool i've never toured or anything like that it's it's very minor touring that we get to do with the podcast, but that's still cool though. Did you do with an audience in San mm-hmm. Diego? Oh, that's yeah, so cool. It, this was our fourth year coming up. It'll be our our five year, which will also it'll be our five year anniversary at San Diego Comic Con, wow. and our two hundredth episode. Like hey, we'll end up falling that's, like that's right so cool. in that same time frame. So nice. We're hoping to have. This is the first year too that we had like an exclusive. And it was just a Whoa. like we Tell laughed me because Tell it was me off just a button. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? But it was just a button, just an on the mic podcast button. Because the buttons people are obsessed with the buttons down there, so we were oh, like, "Oh, I see." I think you an exclusive guest, and I was like, "Who is it?" No, this year we <laughs> actually didn't have a guest. The last few years, like we had uh, one of the guitars from Neon Trees one year. Oh, cool. Um, and Todd Masters from Toddland. Oh yeah. Uh, that episode never ended up going up because it didn't get recorded. Ooh. I, I was actually using this very same recorder and somehow so where the one and two lights are lit up, mm-hmm. somehow the mic button here got hit right after I had sound checked and so it just recorded everything inside. Oh, and when did you find out? Right after you had finished? No. Not until I got back to Utah. Sat down to record or sat down to edit. <laughs> And put it in all I get was, and like you could hear our voices underneath. And I reached out to all sorts of people to be like, it's clearly there. How can we like pull it out? What can yeah. we do to abstract it? And I guess make a ritual sacrifice nothing. to Satan or something. Yeah. Oh, I tried. Satan was like, this is beyond me. Even <laughs> Satan was like, I'm not here right now, but you can leave a message <laughs> with my bizzle <laughs> And then like the year before that, we had uh, Rob Kuttner from Conan and The Daily Show. And then he also managed to book for us uh, David Peterson, who uh, created all the language for Game of Thrones and Thor. Oh. And he's just fascinating That's as so can cool. be. So it's like we've had those type of guests. Uh, but then this year, San Diego has been very kind to us, and they've been putting us in a really good time slot. The problem nice. with that is everybody else is also in that good time slot oh they're reaping every everything yeah so it's the best time slot but you're competing with other shows but we're competing with other shows who would potentially be our guests oh like we were gonna have uh like one that we were trying to get was uh, ali gertz and julia prescott 
uh, because of their Simpsons podcast and everything, we really wanted to have them come through. And Julia's like, yeah, she's like, this sounds great. Like, let me check our schedules. And Allie's like, yeah, let me look at everything. And then like an hour later, Allie's like, oh, that's the same time the mad panel's at. And then like we mm-hmm. reached out to Rachel Bloom and we were like, okay, you guys are doing crazy ex-girlfriend. Like, can yeah. we get this set up? And they're like, it's literally during her only break between like two panels. Yeah. And we were just like, and so like, we just kept running into that. It's so like this year we're going to be like, hey, we need to do an earlier slot. We can't. Uh, <laughs> we can't. <laughs> we, we love what you did for us, but yeah, you're going to give, you, a, give but... us a worse slot. Please give us a worse slot. <laughs> but yeah, it's it was just Austin and I doing our doing our thing, and luckily it it turned. Uh, there was a lot of anger towards the bird scooters and <laughs> <laughs> justifiable. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, w- it was fun though. So uh, bird scooters, the standing desk of vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, unless people live in Los Angeles, or they, or they have to deal with traffic in Santa Monica, yeah, they don't know the true hatred of a bird scooter. No, or the people who misuse them. Yes, which is ninety nine percent of the people who use yes. them. Yes, placement. Not even just. It's even sometimes it's terrible just where it is. Not even that it's on the street. That it's like, yeah. why is this in the middle of a sidewalk? Can I walk here? <laughs> I watched a guy riding his bike down Ocean Avenue the other day in, in Santa Monica, and just stuck his leg out. There was probably like. 10 12 of those lime and bird scooters all just lined up just stuck his no. leg out and just kicked just full domino effect oh, and everybody God. was just like <laughs> bravo sir oh, like God. i was i i was very happy to see that <laughs> <laughs> people like keep them though they bring them in their apartment so they can use them in the morning yeah. it's like so competitive for such a like you need to have a driver's license i get you like you're saving the environment but like how competitive are you gonna be with your rentable electric scooter yeah <laughs> I don't. Why? Why is this such a? Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. No, I mean, there. I have you tried them? No, I, I haven't even bothered trying them because I hate them so much. <laughs> I have tried it, and it is actually really fun. I assume it is very fun. It is very fun. They're very fast too. Yes, that's they're scary fast. They'll shoot away, and that's what that's what that's why it's so hard too. Because you know, the second you try, you're like, okay, well, I get it now. Yeah, but even then, God. And didn't they Santa Monica want to ban them too because people were doing so terribly? Yeah, Santa Monica is having the hard time banning them, but West Hollywood did a good job of it, and they banned like banned them. Mm-hmm. So did Beverly Hills. I mean, good for them. Yeah, people I, were disobeying the rules. It's not just even disobeying the rules. I learned that the person I read this when Beverly Hills banned them is that if you get injured on one, the city is held liable. Yeah, and no city asked for that. And those places don't have good bike lanes no so it's either sidewalk or on the street and you don't want them on the street you don't want them on the sidewalk yeah so yeah it's it's just a disaster waiting to happen god yeah they're all <laughs> over around my there my apartment is like a central zone for like oh no yeah yeah so they're always outside you got the scooter out they're just like bird they're birds. <laughs> they're birds. yeah I, I put my leather jacket and i cut the collar <laughs> And yeah. so instead of the sharks and the jets, it's the birds and the limes that are. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the lime, the limes. Two thousand eight. This is what Spielberg's remake is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be the uh, the scooter gangs. Uh, yeah, we need to, we need a third company to come in and muscle them both out, and then just tank their their own company so we can just get rid of them. There, there already <laughs> has Uber has theirs now. The jump ones. What? Yeah, it, the little red reddish pink ones that say That's jump. What those, those are, are Ubers. Oh my god! Because Uber looked at something and was like, "Hey, we're a year late to this game. Why don't we? Why don't we join in?" Hey, remember when we were a bunch of sexist assholes? <laughs> Use our new scooters. <laughs> Still get there slowly, but no rape. <laughs> oh god! 
It comes with a free whistle <laughs> and a pamphlet on how to how to dress appropriately. <laughs> it just, uh, each one just has a Me Too sticker on it <laughs> for the Me Too hotline. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. The, fuck those scooters. <laughs> yeah, I understand why they're hated. Yeah, they're still fun. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as we wrap things up, we should probably talk about you know one of the one of the biggest things you have to promote right now, and your your new book of poetry. Yes, poems to ruin yes. dinner with. Is that, yes, is that, is, did I say the title correctly? Yeah, I brought it because I look don't at it. have it in front. I've got it sitting up top there on my oh, stack of thank on you. my stack of books. Is, I, I brought my uh, proof copy. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but if you publish on Amazon, you get to buy your own copy for two dollars. It's so cheap to buy. You can't even get a free copy, but you can no. buy your own. <laughs> I when I uh, released a book a few years ago, I uh, it, it was it was through uh, through Amazon, mm-hmm. and yeah, we had to we had to buy all of our uh, yeah, and they give you a, they give you a discount, but you think you can get one copy for free? Yeah, it's even got the not for resale st- <laughs> stamp on it. Oh God! So yeah, but I am very proud of it. Yeah, I was very excited with it, and, and in in your usual fashion, you don't post a ton to social media. No, but it was, I think it was like right around Thanksgiving. All of a sudden, you're just like, "Hey, I have a book." <laughs> yes, that's the way I did. And like for two seconds, I had to actually see if it was real <laughs> because I didn't know if you were just fucking with us. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this does seem like I'm fucking with you. Like, have you did you read the uh, quotes on the? Yes, <laughs> I should I should read a couple. Of them go just go for, for it. The, yeah, yeah the, the, these are the testimonials. Yeah, so. Also, can I say I know they can't see this, but the I did this myself. The the art on the my cover. My cat just yacked up a giant hairball oh, right there. Oh no! Looks like it looks like pasta. Oh no! Th- this this is actually a very good thing, because oh, she no. has not had a hairball in a while, and we have been wanting her to have a hairball to like because we knew that it was in her stomach. So oh, I just heard no. her eating. Oh no! She actually just heard me say the title of the book, and she's like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> fucking english majors pretentious <laughs> <laughs> it'd be so funny if she- <laughs> this is the best promotion <laughs> wait till you're the good uh what if she copped up like a page like she just eaten part of the she part just, of the like, oh i'm glad reading it glad yet. you enjoyed it <laughs> uh yeah if you if you grew up with me you and i told you i published book you'd be like what the fuck did you all right <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read uh, the the quotes on the back of the book. Yes. Uh, which is cool because I actually got quotes at the back of this book, and that I'm really happy that people decided to um, offer up uh, quotes for this. So there's three. I'll read the I'll read the, I'll read the the third one's my favorite, but I'll read them all. Uh, this first quote says, Not only is this book a fantastic introduction to poetry, but it is also a hilarious and ultimately moving work of art. <laughs> and that uh, quote's from the author. Uh <laughs> This uh, the second quote says, "Poems to ruin dinner with," truly proves that anyone can publish a book these days, and that's from a friend of the author, and that one's just true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this final quote is my favorite thing of all time. So I, this is not a joke either. I literally got a review from the New York Times okay. on the back of my book. That is amazing. It's pretty amazing. Uh, the quote says, "We do not accept unsolicited requests to review a specific book." <laughs> Please do not reply to this email address. This email address is not being monitored. The New York Times. So, <laughs> so it's the best, the best quote you could ask for. So I took a manuscript 
and I emailed it to their submission email because they made the huge mistake of putting that in their in their website. Hidden. Yeah. It's very hidden, but you can find it. And I wrote in the body email, I know nobody's going to read this, but I just want to say I did it. And then I got an automatic reply saying this quote, and then I put it on the back of the book. <laughs> and so the New York Times has a quote on the back of my book. That is awesome. And the lawsuit is pending, but once it's resolved, <laughs> uh, yeah, I am so happy with that. It's honestly better than the book. The quote is better than <laughs> when, when I When I had released uh, the book that I co-wrote uh, back in 2013, we knew that we needed testimonials on it. And so we the one on the front was a quote from Conan O'Brien. Oh. That's taken out of context. <laughs> I, that's great. What's the quote? And I can't even remember what it is. <laughs> but it's something like it has like it starts off with ellipses and then just has this is really great followed by ellipses and then it just says Conan O'Brien and then underneath <laughs> it taken out of context. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest of them on the back I just wrote. Mm-hmm. And so like some of them and they're terribly stupid. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I did not have any inappropriate relations with this book, uh, <laughs> Bill Clinton. Uh, and then there was just like something like wobble, not wobble of a dub dub because Rick and Morty wasn't even a thing yet, but <laughs> it was something along those lines. And it was from the Oompa Loompas and it was just a bunch of just stupid, just stupid nonsense, oh. but nothing will ever beat out. <laughs> The New York Times automated response. <laughs> uh, I knew it. the second I wrote, I was like, I knew I'm going to have an automated response in the back yeah. of this. And I'm like, what's the best publication to have an automated response from? And it's like the New York <laughs> Times. Uh, so how, how many poems in total did you put in this book? There are 43, which is a lot. Yeah. Really. I, I like the layout of some of them, like the one that's uh, that's giving you the finger. Oh yes. Yeah. So yeah. So this is also like, if you are into poetry, this you might you might really enjoy this because I make fun of a lot of forms. Yes. Uh, the prose poem. I make fun of the prose poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one you're talking about is uh, concrete poetry. Do you know what concrete poetry yes. is? Yeah. So it's when you uh, draw a poem with words. And there was an amazing exhibit at the Getty that had concrete poetry, and it was all a bunch of amazing stuff. And I knew after I visited, I'm like, I'm going to write some dumb shit with this. <laughs> and so the poem is like, I drew a middle finger with words, basically. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you've seen, there's a second poem, a concrete poem. I don't think I got to the second one yet. The second one, I'll, sh- I'll show you. But uh, So the first poem is titled, Blow Me Concrete Poetry, yes. and it's a middle <laughs> finger. And the second poem is later on in the book, and it's, it's I'm Sorry, Concrete Poetry, and it's a sad face. <laughs> <laughs> So concrete poetry is drawing uh, uh, poems with words, and there are some really. If you look it up, there's not a lot of it um, online, but um, there's some really cool stuff that um, like Spanish poets have done, where they've drawn like um, ships and had poems about sailing drawn with. Oh ships. wow! Yeah, it's really amazing, and uh, so I decided <laughs> to uh, uh, <laughs> demoralize it <laughs> with with my <laughs> shitty with a. I drew a middle finger with. <laughs> With the words "blow me concrete poetry," <laughs> oh, this the Spanish poet would be so proud. And then I wrote "take me back," <laughs> yeah, with a sad face. But yeah, there's all. I mean, I don't know how much you know about poetry, but um, I I, di- I did a little bit with poetry like my freshman year in college and uh, senior year of high school. So I I know it, but not to the levels I would like to. Mm-hmm. Some a lot of the uh, some of the poems in here are like parodying uh, forms and uh, uh, vi- um, artistic choices of current, modern, mm-hmm. and like art- like 
uh, avant-garde poetry. There's a poem called Avant-Garde Poetry, which is ma- making fun of like experimental poetry. Okay. So <laughs> here, I'll, I'll, I'll show you just what it looks like. Um, I know they can't see this, but like it has a bunch of like random white space and it says the words like, look here. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. If you ever read experimental poetry, you would enjoy it. Um, and then there's one, there's a. I, I really like the form ones where that I came across where it was just like your typical, where you're making fun of the way that the stanzas and everything are set up mm-hmm. and you just, oh, I'm trying to think of, there, there's one of them that it's like a. Do you want to look at this? Yeah. Let me, let me see if I can remember which one it was that I had. I had a good laugh at <laughs> that it uh it was only like a three line one. Oh, was it thanks was uh things I love? Yeah, things I love. Thanksgiving leftovers, the smell of the air right after rainfall, adding an unnecessary third line to a couplet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a simple that's a simple little uh Yeah. Yeah. Uh I d- I do a lot I do a lot of that. Uh there's also if you want to get deep into the poetry, there's a villanelle in here, which is a form a rhyming uh, form of poetry uh, uh, and I uh, there's a poem in here called Amazon which is about my mom because she always says she works at Amazon and a villanelle repeats itself and so the joke is that she she always says she works at Amazon <laughs> uh, and that's a very deep poetry joke but there's some stupid silly stuff in here too <laughs> that aren't at all poetry um, related I'm trying to see I don't know how much how much have you read. It's okay if you haven't read anything. I've I've read about a quarter of it so far, and then like right when I got it, I started flipping through. So it's like I've read That's some perfect. at the end of it. That's perfect. Some, but then I started going through, and I always try and read. Anybody that's coming on, if they have a book out, I try to get through yeah, and I read understand. at it's, least yeah. half of it. It's I know that a lot of my friends who bought this are never going to touch it. It's going to be on their coffee table, and that's fine. It's a great coffee table book. Yeah, it's, as, as you can see behind you, though, and this is only probably <laughs> a third. But I have actually read the majority of these books. Wow. I have an I have what a deep obsession it? with reading. <laughs> oh, Kristen Ritter's books up there too. That's great. Brian Cranston. Oh, see, there's some good autobiographies up there. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I I, I, I dive in and I go like even <laughs> even for Christmas Except for my, when my poetry <laughs> book. <laughs> the, it it will get finished in the next day or so here though. Oh, I, you don't have to. <laughs> it, it it really will though. Uh and like my parents even for christmas and they're like what do you want i'm like here's about 50 books i didn't uh i didn't get yet and my mom this year actually sent me a text and was just like do you really just want a bunch of books for christmas and i was like <laughs> yes i i really do yeah. like it's usually like hey here's some comedy dvds like i like uh i i told them like the show of shows and things like that cuz <laughs> they put a bunch of the old sid caesar stuff on dvd and I was like, yeah, I want to be able to go through and watch those because a lot of those aren't even on YouTube. And and then the rest of it was just like books, 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 <laughs> books. And yeah, they were like, do you really just want a ton? Yep. <laughs> but no, I, I try to make sure every guest, I, I, I try and go through and read everything I can so that I at least a, have a, a basis. Thorough, a thorough podcaster. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah and uh, Hanukkah just ended. Yeah. But on, my, yeah, yeah. Monday? Yeah, uh, I think it was Sunday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my mom got me Hanukkah candles today. Okay. So she got me them today. Oh, today. So yeah. So, so a little late. Yeah. So very late. She didn't use that two-day shipping thought, from Amazon. Thought you would, yeah. Thought you would like that. <laughs> no, she didn't. She doesn't uh, work there anymore. Actually, <laughs> she just stopped working there and lost out on the Prime. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, not everything in here is is makes fun of poetry. Oh man, there is also. Uh, have you you've heard probably heard of the Cliffs of Dover? I'm assuming, yes. right? Have you heard of um, Dover Beach, the famous poem about the Cliffs of Dover? No. Well, 
I directly parody that poem uh, uh, with a poem of mine I called Dove Chocolate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and that's also a, a poetry parody. But a lot of these aren't. Um, a lot of these I also like uh, parody uh, uh, communication forms. Like mm-hmm. there's uh, IKEA table instructions in here. Yes. That, that's a poem. There's a there's a text there's a poem written like as what looked like text uh, messages, uh, and there's also like an autocorrect poem. Uh, there's like the, the the best thing with this though is that I don't want people to get scared to be like I don't know this these like poetry stylings. Oh, you yeah. don't need to know the poetry stylings to enjoy this. <laughs> yes, explain the book so to everyone because I can't. <laughs> it, it, it's still a very fun read, and it's just a matter. Comedy, you don't necessarily have to have a long backstory on. If you do, you, it's it's not a strong joke. These are <laughs> very basic. Where anybody, those that understand the the poetry stylings, it's that much funnier to mm-hmm. them. But those that you know j- just want to get a good funny book to read, it still meets their needs because it is. <laughs> Like, that's nice of you to say certain parts of it if somebody didn't know what a couplet was that right there teaches them what a couplet is yeah <laughs> so i mean you'll, you'll even learn some of the different styles of poetry just from you'll get a laugh and, a, and be like i learned something yeah i so, hope so yeah it's it, it it's it's a book for everybody and it's 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 absolutely hilarious the bits that i've read so far <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks a lot of it uh uh yeah it's just also really silly and so like yeah yeah, obviously. Oh, do you, have you have you looked at the very end yet? I haven't. I haven't looked at the very end yet. Okay, there's a surprise section I won't talk about since you <laughs> haven't read it yet. But there is there's something really fun I think people would like uh, at the very end. But there's also like some of these. I'm are really just... hoping it's one of those baby books and it's just like a mirror at the end. She's <laughs> like, it's you. <laughs> uh, that's even funnier than what I did. Damn it, Tim. Where were you in the editing process? Where were you? <laughs> When my book eventually gets finished, I think I might just put that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be really funny if halfway through the book it turned into a baby name book, and it's just like <laughs> Jake, Amy. <laughs> Why not? I, I just go through the the cast of Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I did. Yeah, you just did. Yeah, Jake, Amy, Amy uh, Gina, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Holt, what are you doing here? Captain Holt, name your child Captain. If you name your child Captain, they're gonna they better, they better be a winner. <laughs> they, they're either going to be a winner or going to porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a poem about porn in this book. <laughs> I think Perfect you might. Have, I think you might have seen it. Read me. Re- it, I sometimes I read these on stage, although they don't. They don't translate as well when they read out loud. But some. You read a few of them. Uh, the the last time that we performed together, if I remember right. I think I read porn out loud, but it doesn't do well in a stand up audience. But I like it as a poem. Porn the poem out loud. You didn't yes. just read. I read. Porn uh, out oh loud. yes, I turned on closed captions and <laughs> I read <laughs> thrusting, thrusting, that, awkward I, size. I would like I would like Gilbert Godfrey to just do voice, <laughs> just voiceover porn. Like, awkward thrusting. <laughs> <laughs> I would also might if Amy Sedaris did it as well. I think she would oh, make would she, would, she can make everything funny. <laughs> she can make everything. Oh, there's there's stuff in here that parodies like there's one. This poem is like all jazz sounds. So don't worry about <laughs> it being just scat noises. It's not. Yeah, I mean most of it. Yeah. So it's it's not a very high brow. <laughs> there was some really low brow stuff in here too that I decided to remove because it was too low brow. Uh. Yeah. When was, when I was at Second City, one of my biggest goals was to write a highbrow poop joke. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
This 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 poem literally just repeats like three words in a row. <laughs> Put a beat behind that. It's going to be a top hit on the charts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a poem in here that that parodies rap. And I'm not gonna lie, I was a little worried that you might ask me to read it because then I would have to rap, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> M- Mac, do you have a microphone? <laughs> no, I, I I will not. I will not do it. <laughs> it's gonna be so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun writing this though. Hope so, people like and, it. And, and it's available on Amazon and then through Kindle as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to buy the paper copy, the only way to place to do that is on Amazon. Although I am offering the ebook for free. If you can like reach out to me if you have my info or if you, uh, um, I have a Google Doc link. Maybe I can give you this or something. But, but don't, but don't be a cheap bastard. Support Max. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I, and and if you got the free copy, I'm still calling you a cheap bastard because it's only six dollars. <laughs> I just want, yeah, I just want people to have access to it because I don't, not, I don't think poetry should cost t- like twenty dollars per yeah. book, which is insane. Uh, and also this like comedy poetry, so it's not as good as real poetry. <laughs> uh, but it's only it's only six bucks. I mean, go without your Starbucks for a day, and you can buy Max's book. <laughs> Thank you. Like that's, you that's don't very nice. need another goddamn Frappuccino, <laughs> but you do need a poetry. Book. It's six dollars, and I get thirty cents out of that dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm swimming in it. <laughs> and if you know anything about living in L.A., that's the road to the high life. <laughs> yep, that's actually my rent. For three seconds. <laughs> for three seconds. <laughs> I can pay my rent for an I extra three seconds. I looked at my apartment and paid him. <laughs> charged I cents. looked around and I just swiped one dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I encourage everybody when it comes to any any artist releasing releasing things, especially if they're a friend of yours or something, always support it. Yeah. Buy it. Like support the support the independent artist. People give me so much shit that I still buy albums on iTunes. And it's yeah. like I understand how Spotify works. I was very anti-Spotify. Mm-hmm. I talked to a record exec a couple weeks ago, and he explained to me more of how people get paid with Spotify. I still think it's bullshit, and I still support actually mm-hmm. paying the artist fairly and buying a goddamn album. But yeah. there's so many great independent artists, whether it's music or film or you know poetry or writing. There are so many out there, and, and I, I don't see any reason not to support them. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping because this is a little also unconventional because most people don't don't publish comedy poetry, um, apart from Bo Burnham. It's hard to get yeah. it. His shadow is looming over this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it's good to support also when when you're when your people you enjoy who do comedy like go on a limb and do something that's not like um, that's not totally mainstream. You know, right. Like it's good. It's also just good to even just try something, even if you have never tried it before. You don't know if you'll like it. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest thing that I think both of us can speak to living in Los Angeles is when you're coming up in this business is it is a matter of well, I'll throw this out there and see if it works and watching yeah. how many things explode in your face. Absolutely. And we talked about Jamie Loft's special earlier that has all this amazing stuff I've never seen before in a comedy special that she, that she does like she talks to the guy who took her virginity on Skype in the it's amazing <laughs> so <laughs> like yeah support people who are who are changing maybe that's just us alt comedy nerds you know yeah into so so many i mean room. we 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 talked about the comedy store and there's you know the people that yeah. are that are snobbish towards alt comedy rooms and yeah i i don't give a shit to me comedy's comedy if you mm-hmm. found a different way to make people laugh than the traditional way of making people laugh 
aren't, aren't we all in this for the sake of entertaining? Yeah. Like that, that's how I look at it is we're all in this for the sake of entertaining. And that's, it's why no matter what any one of my friends releases, I'm going to jump out there and buy it. So I may get it and be like, Oh, this was not for me, but I'm still going to support their thing because we're, we're all trying. We're all fighting through this just insanity and yeah. so much bullshit. Right. <laughs> I'm so grateful for all the people who have, I was so uh, surprised at like the outpouring of support from people who have bought it. Uh, and so grateful to be on your sh- podcast because I didn't think I know people who are interested in poetry who still got this just to support me and yeah. like are told people about it, which is amazing. And I'm so surprised that uh, people are so supportive of it. I mean, it is a New York Times reviewed book, so I understand <laughs> why they originally decided to buy into it. But uh, yeah, and 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 to be totally honest with you, it kind of gave me the extra push that was like, all right, I need to get my my book finished already yeah and and get it and get it out there. i think i've been too precious but it needs to be so much longer and that uh, caitlin kunkel who was on the podcast just last week who was actually one of my teachers at second city oh. uh has a best-selling book out right now uh she's one-fourth of belladonna comedy uh, out in new york and it's not a very long book either and i was just like all right i need to just stop being so fucking precious and just publish a bunch of this that i've done that's already been published on other websites and just get this out there there's no reason not to yeah do it so you you served as, a, as an inspiration to be oh, able to just be like it, it was it was almost like i could hear you kind of being like all right get your shit together tim like this needs to you need to do this yeah people are so surprised that i did all, like think it's all this work publishing a book and paperback through amazon is not as difficult as you no. would think i i even helped somebody we were making a documentary for uh get his book published through amazon because i knew the process yeah mm-hmm. it's very it's very simple. Like it's yeah, it's, it's a free. good way to get it out there. It's free. You can submit a you submit a word document and it goes through their uh, uh, formatting system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Amazon's not the best company, like ethically. Yeah, <laughs> but I think the people who do their publishing I may be wrong about this. Are is, I think it's like Creative Canvas. Create Space. Create Space. Yeah, and I mean they've they've made a somewhat easy way to publish your yeah. book. And yeah, you, you simply upload your art and you upload the doc and yeah. You, Look at how the page formatting lines up, and how, which is the hardest part, honestly. It, re- it um, can you so can you imagine the spacing on some of these poems I had to figure yeah. out, like like drawing the drawing the middle finger, <laughs> and then having to go through Amazon's thing. Yeah, it is so. With, with the book I helped uh, th- this guy uh, release, it was so tedious having yeah. to make sure that the margins and mm-hmm. every single thing were exactly right yeah and that the finish on the book was exactly yeah it there's a lot that goes into it so they have templates that make it easier yeah but, but ha- even with those templates you still have to yeah did you ever try and publish on smash words no that is their grinder is the worst grinder i guess the grinder is like the thing where you spend the manuscript and then it formats it to fit its criteria oh wow that's what the, that's what the grinder is and their grinder is the worst it just ruined every poem in here. I was going to, that's right. Cause you can make their ebook free on smash words. And I was going to do that cause I can track like stats on mm-hmm. there too, but I couldn't even get it to make any of my poems look okay. I like oh, said, I had to just make a Google doc <laughs> basically <laughs> to get the ebook out. But yeah, smash words, not a fan, but Kindle, they do a good job. Yeah. K- Kindle and create space and Amazon. Yeah. It, it's a very easy way to, to get your stuff published and yeah. And, and get it out to the masses. Yeah. And to this the, episode and sponsored by Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon, treat your familiar setters like shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Jeff Bezos, pay them properly. Bezos, get some fucking hair transplants, you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you have all this money and no hair. <laughs> well, that's how the supervillains start. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He'll be stroking a cat in the next. Uh, uh, did you see that Bezos SNL sketch? The one where Kyle Mooney's Bezos? No, it's uh, Steve Carell. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I did that see was. That. Yeah, the crowd did not like that, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I thought that one was brilliant too. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the Carell ones reminded me of a lot of the early Dana Carvey. Yeah, uh, the Dana Carvey show stuff where they were just very just weird and out there, and yeah, the audience a lot of the times was just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, they were. So I was con- laughing my ass off because I was oh, just like, God. "This is so reminiscent of the Dana Carvey show." Yeah, it was... and just the weird shit they would do. <laughs> oh, it was so great. So I, I appreciate you coming on. So I mean, this is a thanks for having me. It's it's longer than we usually go, but uh, but I appreciate but you I'm stopping worth by. it. Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely are. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. No problem. And where can everybody find you on social media if they want to give you a follow? I don't have Twitter or Instagram, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Max. <laughs> thanks we'll for see. having me. Yeah.